This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. All right, we're live. Hello, we're live. Hello, 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 hello. We're live. All right. This is what happens when you pound a sugar-free Red Bull immediately before starting the program. Welcome, Smoking Tire Podcast. That peak out. You're actually, you're actually a little louder than usual, Matt. Gonna, That's because of the fucking Red Bull. I'm gonna pot you down just a little bit. <laughs> it gives you loud voices. It gives me wings <laughs> verbally. Verbal wings. Ah, uh, class action. Also. Big week for the Smoking Tire. Uh, we made. The most viral video we've ever made, and uh, and it's perfect timing because the other person behind that video who you don't see, uh, the gentleman dragging the log is here. Welcome, though. No. Um, uh, Nick oh, that'd Saran. be great if we could get him. I know. Well, listen. Boy, listen you got his license plate we're get, we're, uh, We can get to that, to the gentleman dragging the log, because there have been a little, there's been developments in the log situation. But more importantly, uh, Nick Saran of VF Engineering, owner, founder, are you chief engineer as well? I mean, you wear a lot of hats over there. Yes, I do all the design concepts and uh, run the team. So of everything, basically. Indeed. Basically, although you do have an excellent team, and I've I've met them, and they're and they're nice people, the ones I know anyway. Oh, thanks. So the uh, the the creator of the VF eight hundred uh, supercharged Huracan, which is, I mean, in my opinion. You know, truly one of those cars where you drive. Nothing is fast afterwards. You know, and um, and and I accidentally we did a little comparison. I actually fucked up, and I don't know if you guys noticed, but I posted the Ferrari California T and the Huracan video at the same time on the same day, <laughs> and I was just because you know I scheduled them ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. I was on vacation. I was in a rush scheduling them, and I just fucked up and put them, and I woke up in Mexico and saw Twitter notifications from two videos, and I just go, "Oh shit!" Yeah. But this Huracan, especially if you happen to watch it next to the other, I mean, the Ferrari California T, which Nick, I'd like you to talk about because you took a little spin in it as well. Yeah. The Ferrari is a very fast car. And yeah. to watch the Huracan video, it's like it's for being running fast forward. You should play them side. It, can we play them side by side at the end? Uh, we we could do it in the office yeah, if yeah. you want to look. Not yeah, I mean, beside you know, it's there's it's, an app. There's like a website for that, right? To play two YouTube I, I don't videos know. at the same I'm time. I'm guessing them, probably. Them, yeah. it, but but uh, the car is fucking is batshit. It's really really crazy. And so, well, I think we were introduced to your work with the R8s originally, with the V8 R8s. No, yes. BMW, the, the first car for me was the M, the wide body and M3. Porsche. And yeah. the, the, well, there's a Spiker as well. The Spiker, too, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's. All right, so you've been supercharging cars for 20 years. 20 years. We'll come back to the Huracan, but this is your 20th anniversary this year. It is, that's right. Awesome. And so, you know, and you really only do supercharging. That's all I've done. So, really, I've, I've become, uh, a, you know, uh, fully um, uh, a specialist at, at what I do, just specializing and, and supercharging and nothing else. Did you, when you first started doing your first kits and tuning and you fell into supercharging, was it, did you decide from the beginning that 
you believe supercharging is the best way to go about this, or did you just try that first, get good at it, and then just decide, well, okay, let me find my little niche over here? Well, I started with the Golf VR6 back in 1996. Oh, okay. And in those days, that car was the fastest hatchback ever. And then to put a supercharger on something like that was yeah. just ungodly. That was, was like the bike rack era. Yes. Uh, totally. Right? Oh. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and 96 yeah. was early VR6 days, too. Well, it was OBD2, the yeah. first of OBD2. So ECU programming was uh, relatively yeah. modern yeah. Yeah. for that time. Were you a software guy? No. Well, I did computer science at University of London, uh-huh. but I'm, I'm a hard- hardware guy at, at heart. Mm-hmm. And then software was a part of the business that I learned as I went along. So moving on from the VR6, I really felt like, you know, that was the most modest way to make reliable power. And that's why I kept with supercharging rather than turbocharging, because I just wanted to do something that I could uh, design quickly and make a fast, uh, a fast turnaround on a kit, something that wouldn't really sort of uh, overpower the chassis. Well, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. On that car, turbocharging was kind of a nightmare anyway. Well, turbocharging became really prolific as the car got older and it was yeah. well out of production. But in the early days, and that led to the R32 Golf, yeah. when that came out, mm. uh, we, were, we were selling kits every day. It was extremely popular. Really? And uh, for a car with such a small production run. Yeah. How much I, dro- I power- drove that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. How much power were you making back then? Well, we always add around 40% more power. So the Golf VR6 went up from 240 horse to 350 Oof. with just a bolt-on yeah. kit. That's a good That's number. Awesome. Yeah. It was probably, in its day, that was probably a really <laughs> fast car. Yeah. In its day, it was for, for such a quick kit that yeah. you could just add in one day. Yeah. We, drew, we tested uh, the HPA golfs, yeah. and they were really, really nuts. I oh, mean, yes. The yeah. 600 horsepower, you know, Golf R32, and then right. the 740 horsepower Golf R, just, just insane stuff. But in 2004, a 320 horsepower Golf was pretty fucking fast. Yeah, it was the bee's knees. Yeah. And uh, everybody wanted one. Yeah. And so, did you. Supercharging, like. You know, the, the, the there are established people who make superchargers. You know, there's they're Eaton and, and all these other companies and so is it is what's nice about supercharging that you essentially can find an, a blower, make an adapter and then finish it off as opposed to having to custom plumb all this crazy stuff? Well, actually, no. Uh, every supercharger kit design is a, a new design for each chassis. So every bracket system, every ducting, every cooling system, every fuel management system is all completely redone from scratch. So we've got to choose each platform based upon a car we feel that there's going to be a good following a good market so the, the blower you, is the most obvious part because it's right in your face but in the reality it's like a much less important part of the whole deal it is in in some senses but we're really looking at packaging so when we remove the airbox and we're looking at the space the physical limitations of mm-hmm. what we're going to fit where we've still got to fit that vortex v3 unit in somewhere or the eaton 2300 unit somewhere on the intake manner fold uh, and it really just depends on the type of engine and the way it's laid out in the engine bay yeah what are the kind of things you consider when choosing a supercharger size for a particular application like on turbo there's different size wheels and hot side cold side like 
It's very similar for supercharging because we're still looking at compressor maps. Mm -hmm. So we look at the volumetric efficiency, which is really, you know, if you look at a a car and an engine, the engine is basically a processor. It's processing air, and we're going to feed it with a supercharger and force air into it. And the the engine will, will, or the manifold will see boost based upon when the supercharger pushes more air into it than the engine can breathe naturally. So we're looking for that point on the compressor map where the the compressor, i.e. the supercharger, is not going to be operating in a range where it really heats up the air charge and it produces enough air for the engine to make the kind of power you're looking for based on its volumetric efficiency. So we've got to match the two just like you would with a turbo kit. Basically just come right short to detonation and then curl, you know, back off from there a bit right? yeah i mean if you put a supercharger unit that's too small you'll have to run it faster to create the kind right. of air uh, air it wants for the power you like want like a certain zero six too much moment. heat too much heat and then you see that in your in your detonation uh, in your correction in ignition timing yeah. it won't make the timing you, you're asking it for and so in that case you can tell you know it's either too hot or you're running too much timing and if you go too big What's the opposite effect? You get lag? Well, if you go too big, yeah, you get lag, you get slower response. Uh-huh. Not necessarily lag with the supercharger, but just it, the car won't come on tap. You know, the power is right. just not coming on. Yeah. It's, it's not awake. What it, like, there's too large, and what if you go a little bit large to keep everything um, kosher, I guess, to keep everything within limit? Is that Well, is that usually, a reasonable well, choice? you could do that, but you could also, if you run a larger unit, you could uh, compress the air and not introduce as much heat. So you could potentially run a little more boost and keep and actually make more power that way. But in some cases, if you, depending on your design and when you're testing, you can pull, pull out some boost and actually make more power. So it yeah. just depends which way you're looking at them. With experience, we can really see that. So like with the Volkswagen VR engines, we can, we can always run a certain impeller speed with a certain uh, supercharger frame and make an X amount of boost and always make an easy 40 to 50% more power. And then you try and squeeze another 30 or 40 horsepower more, and it's just nice. so much more work so much more work because you're, you're past a point of equilibrium uh, and with the roots type of units though uh, it's a very different game altogether is that where like with the uh, like the Vortec is that where the manifold starts to become a problem after you start maxing out the, the supercharger unit I guess you have to deal with the other side of it right well on the on supercharging we're not looking at the exhaust manifold as I much I mean the, uh, the intake manifold the, yeah well yeah. the intake manifolds can become an issue because they the modern engines are all plastic yeah, yeah. so they can swell and uh, you can actually physically see them actually really? expanding on awesome. that red line on the dyno I love to blow up oh, an man. intake manifold <laughs> well is that where is that where that integrated after cooler comes in right there that's another aspect so after cooling uh, can involve either replacing the stock intake manifold with a cast piece with a slide in heat exchanger which is what we do on the E92 M3 or the E46 M3 and uh, the uh, alternative is to run a charge cooler in line with the stock manifold depending mm-hmm. on the space which is like it would impl- it replace like that right. arm of the like if you bought some eBay intake and it was a chrome it would look like that but it would be a box right. with a e exchanger in the box yeah so basically like, it's like a second air box made of metal exactly right? so yeah. uh, an air to water intercooler which you're referring to is basically like an air to air intercooler jacketed in water Mm -hmm. so you can use a small version the nice thing is you can use a smaller version to have the same kind of effect or cooling is that because it would be a long the the air would go through it for like 
you know, it wouldn't be as big, but it would be a longer distance well, travel. It's actually more so bec- that the fact that uh, charge cooling or water cooling is more effective than air to air intercooling in, mo- oh, okay. in the applications that we cater towards, i.e., street and track and some some uh, twisty type of road applications. Well, as it turns wa- out, water's a better heat exchanger than air is. Exactly, because yeah. water is a, has a greater propensity to dissipate heat yeah. than air, so yeah. you'd rather cool with water than air. Yeah. So back to the original question. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm just wondering, though, how, how you fell into the I'm just going to supercharge stuff. Well, uh, back in the late 90s, I was uh, starting my business by, it was, you know, actually growing my hobby, um, modifying VR6s and transplanting them into Mark II chassis. And um, I, I did close to about 70 swaps. Just by yourself? No, I had a technician, okay. and uh, he did all the wrenching, and I did all the test driving and um, some marketing and sales, going to the GTI International Show in the UK. Uh, very, Waterfest. very Waterfest? The equivalent to Waterfest. Yeah. And then um, a lot of the swaps, uh, the swapped cars we were doing were featured in magazines, and one of them was Performance Volkswagen making its way over here into the U.S., and uh, that led to a lot of emails coming from the U.S., and then my interest to move over here. But before I moved over here, I um, supercharged the VR6 Golf with a Vortec uh, V1 unit, which was very, very noisy in those days. Yeah. You see those on the uh, Mustangs and stuff a lot, and you can hear them from like a block away. Yeah. It's not quite like an old, it's not like an old screw charger, but it's still pretty loud. loud. They're really loud, yeah. Exactly. And, uh, but that thing really woke the car up. It was phenomenal. That led to a lot of uh, enthusiasts stateside sort of inquiring you know how to get one and uh, the distance uh, and uh, the customer service aspects became a potential issue when that led to us moving here to Southern California and turning it into a bigger business yeah it's less of an issue now too yeah you're, you're, no, you're right here <laughs> yeah. um, the VR6 motor in, a, in an early chassis is probably awesome very potent such a light car yeah 2200 pounds maybe yeah, very light yeah <laughs> i almost bought one of those actually in 98 instead when i bought my subaru i, I almost bought a v but they didn't uh the only one they had on the lot was like yellow and it was going to take no. you know they were in huge demand it was going to take months to get one yeah that the accord v6 coupe with a stick and the honda prelude all had ridiculously long waiting lists in 98. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, there yeah. wasn't. Prelude was cool, though, back the then. The Prelude was, was cool, actually. Was there neat. wasn't a lot of other fastings on the road unless you wanted a Mustang or a Camaro. No, there was not much out there. And then pre, this was pre-turbo Subaru as yeah. well. So one, But, you know, there was a shift. You're talking 90s. There was a shift in, you know, two, uh, 2004, 2005, where all of a sudden turboing cars became pretty reliable. Yeah. You know, there was this one, yeah. you know, if you think about some of those turbo kits you'd see in the 90s, you'd, <laughs> you'd hear a lot about some weird stuff that was going on. It was, you know, and now with the computers being as good as they are and the injectors being as good as they are. And all, Software. So a, the, a, there was a big shift to turboing, and, you, right. and you resisted. Oh, well, actually, for a while, I dabbled. Did you? I How dabbled. did the dabbling go? <laughs> The dabbling Did it not went, go well? The dabbling went well. Um, I quickly found a lot of limitations with the cars. What kind of cars were you, were you sticking well, turbos in? We turboed some VR6s, some, oh, some R32s, 
and uh, and some 2.0T golfs. Uh-huh. And uh, we're a Honeywell Garrett turbo distributor and kit manufacturer for a while. And uh, so we had support and access to all the Garrett Honeywell technical info. Good turbos. Great stuff. Yeah. That was exactly around the time you were talking about. Yeah. And uh, they were pushing turbos very hard and still are. But I, I found that heat issues were always a mm. major part of the, 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 the kit. Yeah. And so no matter who makes a turbo kit, we'll always have to deal with that. So yeah. a lot of the ancillaries around the turbo tended to melt. But it just so happened that the market and the consumers took that as a part of having a turbo kit and were okay with it. And I was Yeah, and they still are. Yeah, I but mean, I'm even, not. Yeah. Even, uh, even, you know, uh, good running turbo kits, like you hear about stuff melting and it's like, whether it's like some plastic in the engine compartment or a spark plug wire or whatever, like you just hear, and well, it's not even like that the engine's overheating. It's just that turbos yeah. are really fucking you, hot. I mean, yeah. you, can, you can make them glow red in like a hard <laughs> afternoon of driving you know, in the engine bay. There. And, yeah. you know, I guess yeah. with a supercharger, at least it's sort of up at the top of the engine normally. And it is. The supercharger gets uh, oncoming air from through the grill yeah. Uh, yeah but it's not mounted to the exhaust yeah. so it's not going to get the hottest gases you know? yeah and it's uh, yeah. literally I mean, you can uh, you, did, you we did the demo where you know you drive the car pretty hard you can just put your hand on the supercharger absolutely and it's, and it's not even that hot right um yeah. which if, is pretty if you, cool if you mount it sort of in a in an area where it's getting a lot of through flow it'll yeah. always stay cool to touch i think the most impressive um you know, in most cases, like the R8 and the M3s and stuff, you put the ter- the supercharger in. If you open the hood, you'd probably consider your choices the most obvious places to put them. Right. Whether it's right on top of the motor or right down in front, like you've seen a traditional setup. The most impressive packaging I've seen is with your 911s. The... Uh, I mean, I know that you can fit twin turbos in the back of one of those things yeah. because right. Porsche does it. But mm-hmm. you know, your Carrera with that when you open the the rear hood and you see it, it it's doesn't look like there. it should fit in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, actually, you're you know you're totally right. The the installation and the design of that kit was uh, complex, to say the least. Yeah, it was in there. It, yeah, <laughs> well, it Porsche really can is. barely fit an engine in there. Never mind adding a supercharger you as well. You wouldn't believe. I mean, when I yeah. when we I, we have a video from back in the day at Spring yeah. Mountain with yeah. your nine nine seven one, and you really should, I I don't why the fuck didn't I drive your Porsche? We were already out there. The other day, um, the other day. Well, it was it was the newer one, and I think you were uh, you were so excited with the hurricane. I think that, I didn't that want happens. To do it. Yeah. You, we, I got to go back out because he brought a nine nine seven two, and it's been it's been four years since I did it. Like nobody remembers. Yeah. <laughs> so I should I should come steal that car from you for a day and yeah, run anytime. to the canyons and just come back and anytime. do that one. Yeah. But the packaging of that supercharger, oh yeah, is unbelievable. Yeah, we we mold our ducting so we can pretty <laughs> much form any shape we want. And awesome. That particular kit is literally designed around the engine. So you put a balloon in, basically, yeah. and figure out where you. Can it's get really, space. really wild. That's awesome. And you have to drop the motor to put that thing up. No, that we don't. In? Really? No, literally, you don't. It, it, you have to take the rear bumper off. Though. No, not even Wheels the out. Nothing. Really? Nothing. Rear suspension out. <laughs> <laughs> it's so when you look at it, it almost doesn't even. You almost look at it and go, "How does the belt even drive this?" That is very complex. The belt system in that is very unique. So. Is there a, is there like a does it make a turn to the drive be- the the thing? The belt system in that ha- runs off uh, 
four idlers, and so the belt <laughs> is fairly convoluted. Oh, really? So unique okay. by unique, you mean a giant pain in your ass. <laughs> you know, as long as you don't have to change one yourself. You and know? The, those belt systems have been very reliable. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, that And that fits in a narrow-body car as well, it right? It does, You don't yes. need to do the water. And how yeah. much power is that making in the that two? That adds 140 Ooh. horsepower at the flywheel, so it <laughs> takes it up from the high 300s, 385, up to like 530. How much so torque? So it's turbo power. Torque is an extra 110. Yeah. So, so is it is it as much power as the turbo? It's just a little more on paper, uh-huh. but it's uh, driver much more drivable at the lower RPM range and in town and accelerating because you haven't got some of the weight waiting time that the turbo a, has. Yeah, in a fairness, narrow body I mean, with a supercharger. I've driven 997 turbos and 991. I wouldn't call those anything. I wouldn't use the words waiting time <laughs> with a fucking yeah. 997 turbo. I've, I've never gotten out of one of those and be like, you know what? This isn't drivable enough. This isn't, <laughs> you know. Those cars are fast yeah. even. You know, I know what you mean. They you are. do have to rev them. Right. You know, they make boost at three grand, I guess. Where does yours make peak torque? Um, it makes peak torque at the same spot as it does normally aspirated, which is in the uh, low 4,000 range. Oh, okay. But um, what I mean by uh, it, it's more drivable at lower RPM is that it, it has a, qu- a really quick acceleration. So it's... Uh, it, with the four-wheel drive system, well, similar to the turbo, it'll get off the line real quick, but it just has a, a really rapid response. It, it really will run circles around other cars when you're coming off the gas or when you're just tipping in. It's very responsive. It's, so is it more like, okay, so I know what you mean. There's in less the turbo, drive range Even though the turbo's on. real fast, yeah. you still have that first inch of pedal travel yes. off the line where nothing happens. Right. So, like, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. It's fast, like, faster off the line when you're not trying to launch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is that what you mean by that, that? That's exactly what I mean. Yeah, yeah. okay. It's effortless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you deal with cooling on that? Because that's going to be quite challenging. Well, luckily, the engine bay of that car is designed to allow so much air to go through it. Hence, you know, the shape of the car, mm-hmm. which Porsche patented. They, it, it, they say that it's designed for the engine bay to actually have some vacuum in it. Uh, hmm. depending on you know the in the conditions it's being driven in so that engine bay is really conducive for cooling i.e. you know the shape of the engine the the, the car to promote cooling in the air cooled applications mm-hmm. and they haven't really changed that much even though they've gone water cool but that's a good point yeah with our supercharger system we're still running an air to water system <clears throat> so we have a separate brick or the the, the core inside the engine bay you ever supercharge an air cooled one no is it you think it'd be possible um, it has been done by others. Really? It cool. has, yeah. Have you, ever dr- have you ever driven one? Or? No, I haven't. No. I, I, I mean, wonder I used what that to have would a be like. A Do you regret selling it now? <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, 20 years ago. They were nice cars. They yeah. still are nice. They still yeah. are great cars. Roots blower on a flat six would look awesome. Yeah. It, I, could you do it? I don't think it would be possible, right? It's been done. The, a Roots style blower has been yeah. done. Eaton's oh, doing yes. them right now for the BRZ motors. Does that sit on top? Uh-huh. Really? Oh, yeah. Neat. It's got some really long runners on it. it make a really Super, cool triangle. A supercharged air-cooled Porsche could be pretty it cool. It would sound awesome. It would probably sound pretty yeah. neat. <laughs> yeah. And they did have – there is even more room to work in the air-cooled cars. So, um, Do you yeah. strongly recommend the, going with the four-wheel drive car if you want to do one of your kits? If you have a choice, <clears throat> the four-wheel drive is the way to go. Um, a lot of our testing has been done in two-wheel drive 911s. So and is it does it overpower the rear tires no, quite easily? No, it doesn't. Not quite easily. Um, you can light the tires up, but not <laughs> so not mid gear. So it's, yeah. it's still like you know you it's still a na- it, it's yeah, a in bit. the same way a naturally aspirated 911. Like you know you're not gonna 
it's got to rev out a little bit, and you by do. then you've got a little momentum going. Yeah, the shape of the power curve is still very similar to the normally aspirated. It's just turned up. It's and just, just turned up. A steeper raised, gradient, yeah. more constant. It's not like driving a V8 with a big supercharger on it where you can just throw the rear end out at any point. No, but yeah. the uh, R8s are. Yeah. The R8s are. <laughs> the R- yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you throw any? Uh, do you lose any red line? Lose anything off the top? No, we uh, we keep redline stock, and then if we if you look at the shape of our power plots and the boost curve, they're very linear. They keep going. They don't taper off at all. Not at Just all. Out of curiosity, with your nine eleven kits, what do those retail for? Between eight and eleven thousand. That's actually, if bad. you buy yourself a used nine nine seven, that's a fucking hell of a deal. That's, that's where I was going. You buy a nine nine seven career. What if you do it on a? Is your is uh, do you get if I install that kit on a Carrera S versus a Carrera? Yeah. Do I end up with a significantly more uh, larger uh, number at the end? On the Carrera, it's on the nine nine seven. It's typically a three point six engine. Yeah. Uh, which is rated about thirty horsepower less. And so is the end result. With so the lower. end result is about thirty thirty five horsepower. But you're still less. talking five hundred horsepower. An easy five hundred Carrera. Very, very <laughs> drivable. And that nobody would think five. about. And you being can pick up a, it's a super sleeper. body would be so slick. Now, yeah. when you're you're doing these for both generation uh, nine nine one two and or nine nine seven one and two, correct? Okay, so you've got both engine variants. So you're already covered for the new cars. Do you have any largely? Thing? We are. We're yeah. in process of taking one of those things apart, and it's uh, quite a bit different in terms of packaging. Okay. So whilst the engine is the same as the nine nine one. Well, we still have a lot of redesign to do, though. Yeah. This, by the way, when people ask about things like the Porsche tax, like why does a supercharger for a Mustang cost four grand yeah. and a supercharger for a Porsche? It's because you have to buy one. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You've got to fucking buy a car would you say it was eight to take 11? it apart. Eight to eleven thousand. Eight to eleven. That's really not beyond what it would be for a vet or a viper. Well, that's because he yeah. bought the car a while ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's very Porsches. reasonable for for Porsche. Yeah, I mean, even a good Mustang supercharger is going to cost you seven. The packaging uh, solution, yeah, probably. The packaging solutions alone is worth a lot of money. Yeah. Like, yeah. You got to blow mm. mold shit to make. Well, the I, I think yeah. the point we're all getting to is like, go buy a that's nine a, nine. That's a good go value, buy a nine yeah. nine seven. Do you make a supercharger nine nine six? We do. We we cover nineteen ninety nine and up on wow. the nine nine six. So all nine nine sixes. How about Caymans? Caymans, we don't. The packaging is very t- very tight indeed. In yeah. fact, the the crank pulley is facing the back of the driver, so the engine's the other way around in the Cayman. Oh, okay. Give that for supercharging. That makes it less practical. Yeah. For the packaging, so. uh, some a couple people do turbos for that car. Uh, TPC, I think, is I one think of the companies so. that does a turbo for that car. Mm-hmm. Is someone once offered to let me drive their personal one, and I and it never happened. But if you're out there, call me because I'd like to try that. Yeah, um, a 996 supercharged would be pretty dope. Even though the 996, I mean, if you're going to go, if you're going to spend the money to tune it, start with the 997. It's just such a better car. You can even get a C4S 996. Uh, those are quite nice looking. Yeah. Great, great factory body kit. Remember those things? The, they true. held a nice little premium for a while. I think that premium yeah, the is, is kind of gone on it's those gone cars. Right. Well, everybody's afraid about the motors blowing up at this point. So, did oh, the C4S not have the no? no only the turbo and the the, the turbo motor. and the GT3 fixed it, but all the rest of them still had Shouldn't IMS most issues. Of those had them fixed. Had the issue fixed under recall though? By now, I don't think they recalled them. Didn't they, I mean under like the war, the technical service bulletin or something there, like that? There were some there was some discussion of that, but I, I never really followed. Yeah, it. I don't I don't recall that ever actually mm. going into effect. 
No, the I, the IMS bearing issue isn't that big a deal. If you're buying a used 996, the clutch is a wear item anyway. Yeah. If you're going to put on a fucking blower, you might as well do a clutch, yeah. <laughs> and you might as well do the bearing while you're in there. Exactly. And once you're in there, the yeah. bearing itself is cheap. Yeah. Yeah. It's only a couple of hundred bucks. Yeah, the expense yeah. is in taking it apart. Yeah, but if it, yeah. but it would be a part anyway. Well, yeah, yeah that's that, a, that's the great thing is if you're going to go and if you're going to yeah. modify the car, you I, may I'm as well. I'm sure that if you were selling that kit to someone, you'd probably strongly recommend a clutch. We do, yeah, and the IMS bearing. We always mention that too. Yeah. So, like you said, you know, you you could pick up a nine nine seven one for about probably thirty thirty five thousand. Yeah. A good one, a manual. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Are they that cheap with a manual? Oh man, forty oh Gs. You'd have a yeah. fast fucking. Wow, that'd Porsche. be a monster for like forty five grand. Yeah. Oh, it'd be great. Did you uh, sell a lot? Are those a lot, a lot of those kits out there? It's very popular. We, I don't we, see that many ooh. of them. Just, well, yeah. I mean, they are all around the world, literally uh, everywhere. You you name it. We've sold 911 kits. It's such a cool kit. We got, I got to try. Have you, it's have probably you, nice. Have you done one on PDK? Um, no, we have a GTS coming in in January, uh-huh. and that's the, a PDK model. And that's going to be your first PDK application? For, yeah, that will be for that. Company. I wonder how, if the if the blower will affect, does, you, does the blower affect, um, the, I don't know if there's a term for it, but let's say the speed at which the engine changes speeds. Yeah, the rate of change. Yeah. Um, that will, that comes in where the soft, that's more, more of a, like a, a software management issue. So uh-huh. we We'll program the ECU to talk to the TCU to tell it how much torque to expect uh-huh. and recalibrate that entire communication exchange. And that allows the transmission to engage at a certain speed and take a certain amount of time to fully engage. Is so, reprogramming a PDK a very complicated thing to do? Um, it is. I it, imagine it, it is. <laughs> so, you've, <laughs> so you guys have full command of the entire Porsche ECU at this point? We do. Okay. And the most important thing is matching things to what you're changing them to. Right. So, so injector flow rates and, and what your airflow is going to be. Or, do you so, have mass airflow and IAT and MAP sensors and everything on that? Or Yes. So the ECU has calibration tables for all of those parameters you've mentioned and many, many more. So to give you an idea, uh, an ECU will have somewhere in the range of thirty to 70,000 tables. And so we'll okay. have to pick and choose which ones, uh, after we've translated them from German, uh, which ones are appropriate for what we need to do. But having done this for, you know, just over 20 years, we know our formula and we know you, what to look for. You see for. the patterns at this point. Yeah, but okay. with new platforms yeah, but and does new a technology. PD, does a PDK, is, you know, a PDK, I imagine that software is going to look way different from, I mean, even the Audi R8, you know, Artronic software. It does, yeah, because the PDK inputs are very different. Yeah. And it's the inputs that the PDK uh, computer is looking at that we have to identify in order to, to change and recalibrate those to suit the power and the torque changes in the engine. What happens to, like, the, I mean... Uh, Porsche, I don't like using it, but I do like the fact that they're they're smart automatic. Like if you put that car in sport auto, yeah, you can't complain about it. It's like as perfect as you're gonna get. It's like microseconds behind your brain, right? And it's like way easy to control it with your foot. Yeah. You know, like to yeah. tell it how to change gear properly. Do you leave those algorithms alone completely? 
We do. Okay. There are a lot of algorithms that we leave alone because uh, the moment you start altering them, you're going to introduce new issues. Yeah. So a lot of the uh, programming and the functionality is integrated. For example, uh, fuel injector size. So mm-hmm. we can change what's called a scalar which is uh, a value associated with a certain size of an injector. So the moment you change that uh, based on the injector size you choose, a whole multitude of things will change automatically. It's all integrated. Uh So do you just have a kind of – I mean, this is oversimplifying it a bit, but do you have – 20 or 30 different variables that you know you can go in and tweak those values and then everything else just flows downstream from there? Or? Usually. So okay. with a new project, that'll be where we start from. And then we go and look at how the adaptations are changing, how the transmission is behaving. And particularly with automatic transmissions, such as the one on the Hurricane, uh, there are always new vi- variables to study and analyze. And so we can access... All the maps, but we have to know which maps to use based on functions. So the entire ECU is described in a function book, and being able to read and understand those functions and follow those and identify the maps that those functions are using is the key to getting an integrated ECU uh, function and and have it work properly and and allow the car to drive properly and allow the transmission to shift properly. And I assume there's many... Excuse me, I assume there's a lot less to deal with if you're talking about a stick car. Yes, there are a lot less. Um, With the stick car, the programming is much more forgiving, and uh, the automatic is, you know, a sport, a a, a really quick automatic car will magnify minor issues very quickly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I just just recently drove... uh, a, uh, a Golf, uh, Revo Technic Golf uh, with a big turbo on it, a GTI, and, right. and it had an automatic, but it had, it had new software, but it engaged in a way, and it did it to deal with the, with the monster torque that are going to the front wheels, yeah. but it did it in a way where I was like, there's something different here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And as much as I enjoyed that car, and I really did enjoy the car, I'm not sure if I, you know, I'm not, no one's. I don't think a lot of people are buying a, a GTI as a second weekend car. That's an everyday car for somebody. Yeah. So I, I feel like you'd, you, you'd want it to feel as close to stock as, it, as you can get. You don't want to feel a difference in transmission. No, I mean, drivability is so important. And, you know, if you drive in traffic, you drive distances, it's nice to have a smooth, functioning car. Yeah. I mean, you, if you're rolling in traffic or you suddenly go to accelerate or you suddenly go to brake hard, you don't want to feel the transmission shifting out of sync and yeah. clunking and jolting as you come you down. You mean like a GTR transmission? <laughs> and I'm not saying, and <laughs> and for the record, the I'm not saying the Revo car was, it was <clears throat> clunky. You could just tell that it had been beefed up to handle this extra power right. and that it engaged in a way that did not feel stock. So that's an aggressively tuned car. Yes, And that's was. very acceptable uh, for an aggressively tuned. So a 2-liter GTI, which starts off with, say, 220 horsepower, and if it's cranked up to you know high 300s, yeah. then there will be some trade-offs, and that's got to be accepted. Yeah. And, I'm uh, imagining that that, that dual-clutch transmission on there is probably the weak point of that whole setup. Um. The fact that this particular car did not have a limited slip diff was the weak point of this setup, but yeah. but that I, might have I, actually been saving the transmission. No, I think the the, the I mean the, the gearbox holds 400 horsepower in in modified Audi S3s and right, Golf Rs. I think I think the weak point is a bit above that, but it, it didn't seem like it was a 
a big of an issue. Um, but speaking of which, the uh, we should go. We should talk about the Huracan because right. that car is really, really crazy. And uh, <laughs> you know, you guys, uh, what two, three years ago, did the development work with Stasis for that R8, which was at the time really, really crazy. Certainly one of the fastest cars I had driven. Right. Yeah, it was about five years ago, actually. Was now. it that it's long been, ago? It's been Jesus. a while. I guess it was 2011, maybe. So 2010 is when we supercharged. Oh my God. Um, an R8 Spider that went the on the red one, right? The red one yeah. that went on an OEM booth uh, at SEMA, 2010. It was oh, in, that was five years ago. It was ago. on display Shit. in Audi's booth, and uh, we designed the kit. And uh, Stasis wanted to buy the kit exclusively from us and private label it, and that's what they did. Um, all the engineering and all the work was done in house at VF, and. Um, the kit really has been doing very well ever since. Now that Stasis is gone, do you sell the kit yourself? Yes, we do. We've we've continued to sell it uh, since they've left, and uh, it's it's going through a big surge right now. It's a very popular kit because guy R eights are cheap, and R eights are cheap. The right. cars are more affordable. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look for uh, look. <laughs> we're, still talking, we're still talking, you know, 90. high five figures, yeah. you know, at best, but. You know, compared to two hundred thousand, know, there are a plethora of early Gallardos running around on the internet right now. You right. can basically pick one. The one you drove at uh, the yeah. firm yeah. was would be an affordable. Yeah, Gallardo. man, I drove it. I drove a, a stock fifty thousand mile O four Gallardo on the track, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, this thing for like seventy Gs, eighty nice. Gs, like. I want to get a blower or something on this thing and just just was being it a monster. Manual or e gear? It was e gear. Yeah. And the yeah. 04s, I mean, the e gear sucks in the 04s because that long first gear it fries clutches. But if you're not sitting in traffic, if you're driving it like if it as a track car, like a cheap fun track car. I mean, it's not again, not cheap. Yeah. A cheap Lamborghini for a track car. <laughs> yeah. It was not bad actually. The but the 2009 uh, Gallardo is really where. That the car shines. Up. The 560. Yeah. When they started with the LP560. Is that just yeah, a better f- platform all around? Yeah, like but the- not, not a lot of enthusiasts are aware that the 5.2 from 09 and up is the full Audi engine, the full uh, FSI V10. So the engine... Significant revision it, on it. It's more than significant. It's completely... It's the same, it's the same engine. It's, it's completely groundbreaking, the engine. And the, basically what Volkswagen Audi did to the Gallardo in 09 is basically turn it into a proper production, daily drivable car that doesn't eat clutches, it doesn't leak oil, and it, and it can go a, for a long time without maintenance. So from 09 right. and up... Are the for intent for all intents and purposes is the Gallardo matching the R8 in terms of reliability at that point from 09 and up because okay. the Gallardo basically, is the yeah. same R8. fucking yeah, thing. Yeah. The part they'll charge you more for parts, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, and the R8 is still more comfortable. I, I think as it a is. Really driver yeah. car, it's designed as a gentleman's car. So yeah. having developed that kit. And sold a bunch of them. I drove that Gallardo as well. Yes. And it was fast as fuck, too. <laughs> it was really fast. And that video did well. None of that his cars have ever been did. slow, That video did 400K, I and yeah. I think the R8 video did six or six. It did a lot. did yes. well, too. Yeah. But the Huracan did it 1.1 million in 24 hours. 
That's Which, all I, if Nick, you you pulled the stat out. I can't. I didn't verify it, but you, if that might that is better yeah. than the 13 second UFC fight from the previous weekend. That's what I. Yes. <laughs> 13 second UFC knockout. Fuck you. Oh, Joe Rogan's gonna be bummed. He was commentating that one. Hey, he still gets paid. He still gets. He gets a flat rate. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this car, you know, is a. Uh, I mean, obviously, the development of this kits for the R8 and the Gallardo gave you a tremendous leap and started because the engine is fundamentally pretty similar, right? It is, yeah. So the 09 to 2014 engine, the, the 5.2, is what they call the FSI, direct injection. So they've got the injectors pointing into the cylinders. And the 2015, or what we call what the new engine is in the Huracan, the 610 horsepower version, is a dual injection. So they're running another oh, set of 10 injectors. Which are not direct? Whoa. Correct. It's got direct and port, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good, there's though, because 20 injectors on 20 this fuel injectors. How much do each injector cost? That service in <laughs> 2040. <laughs> they're over $100 each. In 2040, when someone goes, I got this hurt, and they get their service bill and they realize they have to spend like four grand on fucking injectors. That's going to suck. Or injector seals. So yeah. it sounds like oh, the 09 man. is the 09 of 14 is the engine. It is. Well, actually, they're all fantastic oh, cars. Yeah. From 09 and so up, they, they are, they're just wonderfully user-friendly. Yeah. And great value for money in the long run. The earlier cars seem like a bargain right now. Um, but I wouldn't like to be uh, paying for the maintenance on yeah. them. So oh nine and up. The oh five, the oh five mm. to oh eights were decent. Yeah. They weren't. They were significantly better than the oh fours. And I know this from working at fucking Gotham Dream Cars, where cars yeah. are subjected to some of the harshest abuse anywhere <laughs> on the planet <laughs> by, by the, the people teaching the class. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I mean, listen, those cars. That is that's if you go work at an exotic car rental place, if you want a crash course in exotic car maintenance, yeah. you know that's where you'll learn it. The no. 05 to 08 cars were pretty good. Yeah. The LPs were much, much better. Right. All but, signs so far point to the Huracan being even better. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be the culmination or like the epitome of Volkswagen Audi's technology. I drove a stock Huracan about, for the first time, about a month before I drove your car. Yeah. And uh, it was, it, it was what I, exactly what I expected. Bit faster than the Gallardo, bit roomier, with neater dashboard, also a bit like softer and kind mm. of a little more toned down because I think the customers do want to be able to drive them around Miami Beach and right. whatever Los slowly Angeles. and yeah. not be lunching clutches and not be bucking and whatever. Um, so you know you tend to make cars that are fast but very composed into something that is requires some more focus exactly they become less composed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no it, and it, look if you you know go if you go haven't seen this video you can go watch it it looks like i'm driving in fast forward and it's not because i'm ayrton senna yeah. it's because the car is obscenely fast mm -hmm. and yet you know when i'm driving up this road which in some sections is open and some sections is tight but you're not hearing tire squeal you know right. the car the car's not moving around it's very but but the world goes by at an unbelievable pace. It's, yeah, it's it the drunk girlfriend of cars. It's a fundamentally crazy. the same person, but a little less predictable, and you'd better watch your ass. It's Yeah, no, it keeps you on your toes. It does. Yeah. It's a, a really awake, truly. It's crazy. And so... so but it's not... Uns it's still... 
planted and everything. It's just fast as it's shit. Fuck all fast, like everywhere. Like, well, then you can use all of the the mechanical grip and use you can use everything I mean, to the max. So there, you know, I MC these runway events, you know, shift yeah. sector. And oh, by the way, I, I would like to to maybe bring that car out. I have yes. a date on uh, February 27th. There's okay. an exotic shootout. It was if you can was it Doug was that his name? Yes, Doug. Doug the owner of this car cuz this was actually a customer car and Doug the owner was incredibly gracious. I think his son was a fan yes, and his son wanted him to get this car and he brought it all the way out and he's he was couldn't have been nicer. Awesome. He was great. And if we wants to come back out or if the car is still out here February 27th. Yeah. Um so I see these, you know, the twin turbo cars. Okay. And there's, you know, there's some of these Gallardos that are doing 2,000 horsepower. I think I think there was a Huracan that was a 2,000 horsepower car. That's insane. And so, look, the internet makes it sound like that kind of shit is normal. That's not normal. No, it's not. <laughs> I assume you've tried one of these types of cars before. Yes. And how did you find it? Well, I think it's the it's the kind of experience where you, as you press the accelerator, you start to grit your teeth and look for things to hold on to. <laughs> yeah. And it's tr- ungodly fast, as yeah. you'd expect. But as far as uh, driving the, the, the car, a car like that for the purpose you have a car for, it's not really a daily driving kind of car. It's the it's kind of car. It's not even. You can need a runway. It becomes a hobby, and the car is more of a, your project. And uh, it, it literally is, like you say, it's a runway uh, dragster. Yeah. And it's great for bragging rights, and it's fantastic to feel the thrust and the acceleration. Yeah. Um, but what if you want to drive that thing on the street? Then you've got to find a compromise. So you've got to look for something with a little less power, perhaps. I, I think the Internet has fucked us all up. Because, you know, we see a video of a 2,000-horsepower Lambo running a 235, right. you know, standing half mile. Right. And you go, well, that's what cars do now. It's like, no, no, no. That's what, like, <laughs> one fucking crazy guy one with crazy way rich too much guy. money, yeah. Yeah. you know, he's probably five foot four. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. he needs that. Well, he I needs mean, it. But, like... Most people don't even have a concept of how fast 500 horsepower Dude, let me make. tell you something. I drive sports cars for a living... I can't possibly fathom ever driving or wanting anything faster than this guy than this Huracan as a streetcar ever. There's I cannot fathom. Yeah, the roads that don't have the space anymore beyond it's crazy. that. No. There's a limit to physics and driving and <laughs> where you're going to fit that car and go round corners and 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 go about daily driving we haven't even discussed the numbers yet give me a rundown of the numbers well uh zero to 60 as measured by the customer himself uh was 2.3 seconds with a v-box and uh he measured quarter mile in 9.8 seconds <laughs> at, at well, i think you said 151 151 is what he measured I mean, and uh it you know he said that it could actually go quicker and he had gotten faster measurements, but he would rather just go with the average. Of the the, re- the repeatable? The re- absolutely. So he did, it, it, if this was traditional YouTube bragging, he did a run or two or three yes. better than that. Yes, he did. Okay. And so that's, your, that's a number you're comfortable selling this kit to people and not necessarily the fastest it's ever gone. Correct. As independently tested. Yeah. Yes. And that's on the standard tire. Stock factory tires and wheels. And what, what is done to the car except for your supercharger kit? Nothing else apart awesome. from some aesthetics. Just some carbon fiber skirts 
Basic yeah. shit. Basic stuff. Nothing that makes it go faster. No, even the exhaust is stock. That, to me, That's was amazing. crazy. That's through a stock exhaust. And so... It's unbelievable. And the, you use... What is it? It's a 2.3. 2.3 Eaton Root Supercharger. It's the TVS 2300. Tried and true. Been around for the last eight or nine years. It's been around yeah. for about four years. Five, been- five years now. Okay. And uh, it's, their, it's their most current technology. It's a three-lobe rotor pack. And uh, the, the beauty of it is, is it's much quieter than its previous generation. You do get... You, I think you do get a good amount of wine, though. Like it's it like when you're on throttle and winding it out, you get enough that you know it's there. Absolutely. I mean, not to mention the fucking 200 horsepower. How was it? It's 806 horsepower. Stock oh. stock is awesome. 610. Yeah. yeah. So you gain 200 horsepower and you gain 100 pounds you of torque. You gain 180 pounds of torque. 180 fucking. So I mean. At- at full chat, this thing is sucking down so much fuel with 20 injectors, <laughs> cranking. Really, it has how to many be. pounds of boost is it? It's running seven pounds of boost, but the secondary injectors are for emissions purposes. Oh, yeah. For the most part. Well, right. And keep carbon off the intake valves because that's turned into a problem lately. Yeah, so the secondary injectors are cleaning the back of the valves. Okay. Yeah. But you're right, that 5.2-liter engine, so I mean, there's, there, there's some calculations of how much air that thing's swallowing, but it, it swallows more than the volume of our building many times per second. Uh, Wait, more than the volume of your building? Yes. Many times per second? Yes, yes. Basically the... the So it's like the fucking vacuum lady from Spaceballs, (laughs) where the trees just get sucked out of the fucking ground? When does it go from suck to blow? (laughs) (laughs) Just out of... What is the CFM number on that? Do you know? On... Uh, on the engine, uh, we haven't done. I haven't got the calculation off the top of my head. But it's high. It's yeah, it's super high. I mean, okay. it's a it's a five point two liter engine, uh, creating just over eight hundred crank horsepower. So uh, there's there's some backward calculation numbers of how much air it's actually processing. It's a lot. It's tremendous. Yeah. So we need Huge. to do. Thad and I had an idea years ago that we have yet to execute, but are looking to find a reason to. And the idea is called the fifty five gallon challenge. Okay. Each of us is issued 55 gallons of 93-octane fuel. Whoever burns it off first wins. Right. And we each get to choose how we, what, I, what we go. I, was the, I wonder, because yeah. the Hellcat famously will fill a pint glass with fuel in six seconds. Okay. Okay. And I think we should raise. <laughs> we should raise and find See, out. I'm, out guessing, yeah. I'm guessing the new... LT one LT four motor is probably going to be the Z06 close. motor. Yeah, uh, they weren't bragging about it at the press launch the way they were. I mean, you've never heard. You well, it's know, a funny in a, thing in a to fuel brag economy about. Economy conscious culture. You know, you've never been in a press launch and here. The guy holds up a beer glass and go. You know, our engine will fill this in six <laughs> seconds. I'm just going from. <laughs> we remember how measurement. you know we remember how fast the last CTSV drank fuel. Uh, yeah, the new CTSV and the new was, one's got a hundred more horsepower. The new CTSV was the worst observed fuel economy of any car I've ever tested. The Even old worse CT- than the Viper, huh? Worse than the Viper, worse than the old <laughs> oh CTSV. Yeah, it was terrible. But I was on a track. Um, okay, the second question that everyone will be asking in the comments about the about the Hurricane is the gearbox, right. dual clutch, uh, and you know the fastest Gallardos were usually the manual transmission cars. Yeah. Um, and so, wh- where does uh, where does that gearbox go? Boom. Um, there's no specific calculation other than uh, taking an engineering principle of of most. 
most parts being able to withstand double what they're used for. So, um, is that is that really where does that come from? That threshold is a general engineering principle. Is it really in general, depending on the manufacturer of the car and and the conditions? Is that for automotive or is that for kind of everything? It's for many things. Huh. Many things: structural, automotive. And Interesting. The, basically, that that yield point is is set by the, the engineers who design the, the overall project, and uh, also based on reliability, insurance statistics, and costs and cost of materials. So transmissions are something that car manufacturers try to strengthen uh, as they create new models and make them stronger and stronger. And the key to um, reliability in any transmission is basically the amount of vibration that travels through it or the amount of slip that the clutch will yeah. endure. Right. Probably so, shock loads of stuff exactly. as well. Well, so, slip is heat. That's the thing. Yeah. So basically timing the speed of the transmission with the speed of the engine is fundamental to reliability and minimizing clutch slip. And yeah, this car, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't spend a lot of time driving it slowly. I spent most <laughs> of my time going more or less as fast as I thought I, I could safely go. I would get so arrested if I owned a vehicle I mean, like it, that. You, if, I would go 100 miles an hour if everywhere. If you see the, you know, the comments on the video itself, which are fans and other car enthusiasts, you know, people are, wow, that thing is fast. If you see the comments on places like Reddit, where it got shared because of the fucking log, <laughs> and not because of the car, no offense, but that's just how the way of the world goes. Yes. Um, the the comments are the, that I should be arrested immediately. <laughs> not the guy dragging and the law. It's not that I'm not say, It's not that I'm denying doing what they thought I was doing. Allegedly, I, allegedly, I was doing those things. It's but on the other there, hand, well, when this, danger yeah. did appear out of a blind corner, the brakes as well as paying the fuck attention. <laughs> you know, there was no incident where the the what if really did happen right there, and and there was and it was not a problem like right. that. That car has enough brake yes. and enough tire and enough chassis to handle the kind of speeds you can do yeah. with 200 extra horsepower. And the, most of all, as you said, you were paying attention. Which the, that, that <laughs> well, the, the vast majority of the world is perfectly happy puttering along at 50 miles an hour. They don't have the same tuning in their brain yeah. for speed at this point yeah. as we've been exposed yeah. to. I yeah. mean, you know, I we, I probably got that car hauled down in 120, 130 feet from whatever speed. Yeah, it when was. you it showed me pretty, the video when you were editing, it was pretty quick. It was pretty yeah. quick, and, and the brakes are amazing. Realistically, like... You're probably not going much more than eighty in a turn. I don't. I don't know what. What's. I didn't pay attention. Well, but like, like, no I'm idea. saying hypothetically, I did Silver no State idea. Classic, yeah. and I did a lot of turns. I did an average speed of like seventy eight yeah. miles an hour. So that's going fucking fast. And that's on a close Fiesta. course. So if you that can, was and you're not road, pushing it. Would have been a seventy or eighty mile an hour. Allegedly, if, if someone were to doing math. So like coming down at hundred feet is totally doable. Okay, so here's yeah. the the log. I mean, if you listen to last week's podcast, you saw that you know there's a fucking guy dragging a log down the road. <laughs> well, it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen on a road. <laughs> well, we're at break time. Maybe we should just follow that up after after we do that. No, this is quick. Okay. We don't need. We're not going to dwell on the log because it just was a thing that happened. But the 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 PS to the log is someone on Reddit said. I saw that, and I swear that's my friend's truck. <laughs> and there was an F follow-up later that said, I called him. He denies it was him. 
I asked him, okay, who was driving your truck? And he goes, I don't know, but it wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess, you know, he was afraid, obviously, you know, because people are going, this guy needs to go to jail and whatever. No, he he took out a road sign and probably a couple other ones. He he did. That was dangerous. It was super dangerous. Super fucking dangerous. I'm putting this out there. I I responded to this comment myself, and I said, listen, please put me in touch with this person. I don't want to rat him out. I have no hard feelings at all. And I mean this. I won't use his real name. I want to do a follow-up interview. I just want the backstory of the log. Phone interview. I just want to know why that was the method he chose, (laughs) where he was going. I mean, his his claimed friend on the internet does not know anything about the log situation, but he yeah. swears up and down that's his buddy's truck. How many well, shitty trucks yeah. are running around there that? And look the guy like didn't that? even his friend didn't even like. This is the guy. We found the guy. Yeah, but like he's not talking. <laughs> yeah, because he thinks he's going to be in trouble. <laughs> we got to go. <laughs> well, it was one of those identical vehicle situations like we run into constantly. It was his other truck that looked just like Well, his. the license the license plate yeah. is clearly visible and the yeah. guy did not maybe deny we, that it was his truck. Maybe yeah. we can internet bait him like to catch a predator with like other nice logs. Are you here for wood chips? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh that's one of the craziest things I've ever seen on the fucking road. And the internet apparently agreed. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I mean, we, we, we the, the, my, my stupid lav was on its way out. I've had more audio fucking issues. I just bit the bullet. Just bit the bullet. I bought a $300 mixer and XLR wired lavs. Mm-hmm. I fucking bit the bullet. It's going to take longer to set up. Y'all who come shooting have to stand around for longer, but I hope we're going to have more consistent audio. It'll be a big difference. And you'll be able to I mic shoot, the back end properly. I shoot too. four of these in a day, and if the thing yeah. is fucking up, I don't find out until I get home. Yeah. yeah. That's a problem. So yeah. we're, we, yeah. I can't how, do it anymore. Mixer, how many inputs? It's two, I got an H4 end. Oh, okay. It's got two. It's oh, fine. Okay. Two laps. But anyway, we thought about doing it again. About I was like, Nick, I panicked. I was like, <laughs> the audio doesn't sound very good. Is the car still here? I'll come drive it again. And I was like, wait, log. And in hindsight, very, very happy that I did. You right. asked before the show yeah. if how long people are watching for. Right. Listen, the great majority... There's a, sh- a sharp decline after the log incident. <laughs> there is a sharp decline. However... There, there, there is good retention. The average retention, it's a nine-minute video. The average retention is seven minutes, That's which is very good. Yes. That was very um, high for that. It is also, obviously, predictably the fastest and the most earned one take of all of I've ever done and the most money earned by any video we've ever done in that And a sad time. statement on how bad attention spans have become. I mean, look, people Seven watch videos minutes, on the internet. You know. I, look, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't blame people. I know a lot of people that enjoy one takes that just click around and listen to various... They don't want to listen to 10 minutes of rambling. Like, I get it. This, this was a particularly fun video because the car rocks yeah. and some weird shit happened. You almost and, liked it. And <laughs> I allegedly am going, you know, double or triple the speed limit or Only quadruple the, straightaways. the speed limit. <laughs> I thought I was a very safe driver that See, day. See, here's the new trick is you get this guy to go ahead of you, wipe out all the signs, and then nobody has any idea what the speed limits are. I know, right? You, you hit the other signs, right? Yeah. Like, why the... Why that method? Like you have a chain. I don't know. That's why the follow-up You can have interview. a pulley. Like you can you can get that log. It's not even that big of a log. <laughs> like two strong dudes can get that log in the back of that truck. I mean, he, huh? one of the posters, one of the comments was some guy had estimated how much it weighed. It was like a thousand pounds. Or something. It was. I oh, think it was lo- a few hundred pounds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it was probably use three a fucking feet in lever. Diameter. It was big. <laughs> it was really big. Imagine that thing had swung into the other lane. 
I mean, here, wait. Imagine even a taut chain. We stopped. Here's here's how this could have gone the other way. Imagine this. Instead of what actually happened, imagine instead of doing the launch first, we did a a do-over of a launch at the end, which could have easily happened. Mm -hmm. I would have gone up that road three to four minutes earlier, which means I would have met that guy coming the other way. Yes. Imagine the log swinging into my lane around a corner, and I head on that. A log on a chain, it would have destroyed that car. Completely destroyed it. And it might have, uh, there might have been absolutely nothing I could do. Just crazy. How Thankfully, that happen. didn't happen. It didn't happen. car's fine. <laughs> car's totally fine. That's car's great. It's so, like, that's a really dumb decision. Like, was he by himself? Uh, or was it, was it, one, it was one person in a truck, yeah. Well, yeah, God. there's no way that there are two people simultaneously that fucking dumb <laughs> at that moment in time. No, but if the buddy mean, system always if works. I had crashed into him, there might have been. <laughs> that was like that was like some. I would have expected to see that if I was back in like Vermont or New Hampshire yeah. on a back road. Not not a canyon well, in Southern California. We're pretty, yeah. pretty substantially in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But that's a pretty sketchy place to do something like that. I'm going to go on a limb and say, whatever you do on a dirt road is fair game. Because it's a dirt road. It's a dirt road. Yeah, there, there's tow no logs on dirt, dirt. roads. No, there's no There's rules. no speed limits on dirt. Just, no. just don't do it on a regular road. I rode a road. couch on a dirt road at one point. Exactly. Yeah. But like you know, the people the people that didn't un- that don't understand a how people drive in the canyons, how some some people drive in the canyons. I mean, go look at our Nicky Mouse's in- mm-hmm. Instagram and see people crashing in Mulholland every weekend. And then you know, I don't know. I, I'm I'm trying to defend speeding. <laughs> I, it's not a losing. You're, battle, you're doing but. the safest. Spot possible. I thought you're I was not break, safe losing driver. traction. Uh, we do need to take a break. Yeah. It, this has been a long first half, and it's not going to be a first half. It's first two thirds. But we got a lot of questions on Facebook okay. uh, for Nick about uh, your cars and supercharging in general. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back. Forza Motorsport Six. We've been playing it, spending all the money we're earning on cars. It's like real life, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have no money left in our bank because we bought all the cars. It's. Uh, it's really it's a fun game. It's a huge game. There's tons of cars, 60 frames per second, 1080p. There's uh, 26 locations, 70 plus hours career mode. I, I play a lot, and I'm still not even anywhere. Xboxes are 300 bucks right now. Yeah, it's uh, Christmas time. It's about to be that after Christmas time. That's when you really get your Xbox, the 26th. That's Hopefully you got one for Christmas. Maybe. If yeah. so, get yourself some Forza. Uh, friend us at TSC Racing and uh, check out, look for my drive guitar. Be careful, he drives like a dick. Uh, Forza Motorsports 6, available exclusively for Xbox One at leading online retailers and electronic stores nationwide. Visit ForzaMotorsport.net for details. All, when is this coming out? Wednesday? Uh, yeah, this will be out Wednesday. Okay, so. All Cars Go to Heaven 2 right now is on track to come out on Christmas. Our graphics guy is being a little bit slow, and it's causing some stress, but I think we're going to get it done. The rest of the movie is looking really good. The trailer will be out, uh, I think, possibly the same day as this show, possibly the next day. Um it's going to be a fucking awesome movie, sponsored by Forza Motorsport. Uh, our adventure across Utah in the desert the last week in July with two shitboxes and a Model T. It's just crazy. And we're going to have a bundle uh, where you can buy. If you still haven't seen All Cars Go to Heaven 1, we're going to have a bundle where you can buy both movies for 10 bucks. It's going to be 7 bucks for two, 
ten bucks for both. That's four solid hours of retardation <laughs> for ten dollars. <laughs> yeah. The second movie is a little bit shorter than the first movie, but it's an awesome movie. Whatever. People. Some people dwell on the minutes. It's like oh, this one's ten minutes. Whatever. Short whatever. It's time that you can avoid your family with. It, <laughs> indeed, it is an awesome movie. Dylan Optics is the official eyewear of the Smoking Tire. Those cool glasses you see me wearing, you can get them for yourself. Go to thesmokingtire.com and click on the Dylan banner. I'll send you a free T-shirt if you buy a pair. Uh, the smoke finish is perfectly clear where my eyes sit, and uh, anti-reflective, double polarized. They're they're not just cool looking; they're badass sunglasses. Um, lastly, uh, you know that website Car Throttle? Mm-hmm. They have an app now, and they would like me to talk about it. So I said yes. They have an app on Android, the Android Car Throttle app. It's out through the Google Play Store. Uh, There is a Smoking Tire page with a bunch of our videos and links to all of our stuff. Uh, Other YouTubers, uh, Super Speeders, Rob Dom, Evo Magazine, they're all in there. You can watch us all straight through the Car Throttle app, sort of like a Facebook for cars. Uh, but it's out there, and you can check it out in the Google Play Store. Yes, if you want to go look at Rob's channel, you can watch Matt and Rob rack up tickets for yes. like an hour. The old, the, the back in two thousand nine when we had, uh, we didn't realize you had real consequences for doing things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you want to plug? Well, VFengineering.com. VFengineering.com. Uh, VF Engineering on Facebook. Facebook and our Twitter account and. Uh, uh, Basically, our website has all our videos on it as well. Does um, it have my videos too? It does indeed. Yeah, buddy. Forever. Yeah. And so, what are what other kits do you have? Um, I mean, you're known for the exotics and stuff, but what other kits are are uh, on the market right now? Just in time for Christmas. Just in time for Christmas, in a box, ready to ship are our BMW M3 supercharger kits. Very, very popular. E92. E92, the V8. Yeah. And the previous generation E46 M3. Is that a, that's a centrifugal blower in the E46, right? They, they actually both are. Oh, they, they both use a Vortex. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, you do. they do use a centrifugal in the yeah. E92. They come with everything in a box. So you get the programming tool, and literally you can install one over the weekend, program your ECU, everything with what you get in the box. E92 would be really fast. Yeah, they're, they're getting cheap. Speaking they're, of uh, supercharged BMWs, on Craigslist, I check often, there is a supercharged VF car oh. for $10,000. for <laughs> door. Really? Yeah. It's like, a E4, E36? E36. Funny, kit. we were talking about you would like an E36 last What's night. What's in the E36 kit? What's in it? Do you still make that kit? Yeah, we do. It's uh, what we call a legacy kit, so it's an older generation mm-hmm. kit. Mm-hmm. comes with the, still the latest technology Vortec V3 supercharger, and uh, it's, it's, it's a nice black ceramic-coated kit. looks really good. Adds a 100-wheel. Takes you up from 200 to 300 on 91 oh. octane. There you go. That's yeah. pretty good. When so, you have a kit, sorry, Chris, when you have a kit that comes out, you know, when the car was new, presumably, right? Yeah. You started developing the E36 kit when you could still buy one new? On the E36, not quite, but uh, we, we made that kit around 2003. It stopped production in 99. Okay, so poor example. <laughs> E92 M3 kit. Yes. You you developed that kit when the car was new. That's right. Uh, and you've still got it. Now, let's say in five years, you know, uh, a new Vortec uh, supercharger comes out that is a more efficient design or a slightly... Do you Will you go back and re-engineer that kit for the newer blower? We will if it makes uh, commercial sense. Uh-huh. So if the actual unit itself physically will fit and it translates to older generations of brackets, yeah. we'll do that. In fact, we did. So 
All our E36 supercharger kits use the Vortec V3, which is a self-contained unit, whereas we designed it in the days That's when... That's you don't have to change the oil in the supercharger? It, exactly, yeah. yeah. You do. I remember that used to be a big pain in the ass. You don't have to do that at all anymore. You used really, to have right? to tap the pan and everything. That's and, right. So yeah. you basically now change the oil in the charger every seven or 8,000 miles. It's only a little six-ounce shot of oil, and it doesn't require much disassembly at all. Just fill it from the top, drain it from the bottom. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it, it's a much simpler unit. It doesn't need to be connected to the engine's lubrication system. Anymore. Oh, okay. Which is so great no because then lines. if you have engine problems, it goes, doesn't go in your supercharger. And right. that only, that's only the centrifugal blowers, right? Not the roots blowers? The roots blowers are self-contained, but they're, they're sort of classified as a lifetime oil. It is lifetime oil. Yes. And is the reason they can get away with that, do they not spin as fast as the centrifugals so they don't need as much lubrication it's constantly? Got, they use a mineral oil, a very fine, um, low viscosity oil, which is really there to just provide lubrication. Um, as opposed to lubrication and cleaning? And heat dissipation. Oh, heat dissipation. Oh, okay, right. cool. So, um, we have uh, a lot of good questions on Facebook, as we, we usually do when we have very smart people in the room. Um, <laughs> we usually have good questions, and uh, this is no exception. So let's try and stay on topic, I guess, if we can, because there are a lot that I'm legitimately, I'm glad these people ask, because okay. I didn't think of it, and we get distracted easily. Um <clears throat> Uh, Matt Guest wants to know about the challenges of tuning older exotic cars compared to newer ones. And so I'm going to flip that into a question of, of what is the oldest exotic car that you put a supercharger on? Um, the oldest would be a 2008 R8 V8. Okay, so that's not that old. That's not still that old. a pretty modern car. Well, actually, the, you know what? Uh, I'm corrected. The <clears throat> oldest one we've done would be a Spyker. Oh, yeah. Okay, um, with the original 4.2 engine. Exactly. Um, that engine is the Audi uh, chain-driven. It's called the BBK engine. It runes on a Bosch ME7 ECU. Is it the same as the RS4 engine, or is it just the S4 engine? It's the older version of the RS4 engine, okay. so it's what we call the low-speed low engine. Uh -huh. So it revs to 7,000. It contains standard rods and bearings, whereas the RS4 is all exotic materials. High revving. That's a different engine. Have people done sw the swap of that engine into the Spiker? No, it, it involves too much uh, to do in terms of electronics. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that's still, again, I mean, a Spiker, still other than being a hand-built car, you know, you're wearing a Spiker shirt, of course. I mm -hmm. fucking love Spikers. I think they are just the coolest, you know, you, you, you Interior is the The interiors best. are great. They sound cool. They look cool. You can drive one anywhere, anytime, and you'll be the only guy I think it's one. a tie between Spiker and Pagani for coolest shifter. You know, I hate yeah. to say it, but I, I think, is a used Spiker a reasonable amount of money? No, it's above retail now. Is, oh, are they really? really? Yes. I yes. mean, well, they, good for them. They've good appreciated, for them. yes. They're beautiful. They're very cool. Yeah. Okay, but you haven't done anything that's like you've not you've not done a Diablo. No, I haven't. Have um, you gotten requests to do that kind of stuff? We've we've gotten requests, and we generally tend to steer towards newer production stuff, newer technologies. Yeah, uh, because mainly because the the results are, are greater in terms of the amount of power we can extract. If someone wanted you to do a modern car that you don't currently do, yes, uh, let's just we'll throw something out there. Uh, Ferrari four thirty, four well forty eight's got turbos on it, right? But if someone wanted you to put a supercharger on, would you say okay? But 
you're going to pay the development costs, or would you kind of would you say I'm just you know we don't do that? It's we don't see a market for it. Or yeah, we wouldn't take on a project unless we were going to roll the development into the production. So we would have to see that it has great potential and is in a market where um, not only is there demand, but it's also practical for that vehicle as well. Could you put a supercharger on a 488 with turbo? Or, you? well, you're going to have, like, the compound charge situation, but something's going to blow up immediately. Yeah, definitely not. We wouldn't want to introduce a, a supercharger as well as the yeah. turbo. Because I, I believe that car already runs very well by itself. So yeah. uh, some you software know, would But now up. that mo- a lot of cars are going to turbos, I mean, you know, the exotics, the Porsches, the, you know, what are you going to do with the next generation Carrera? Are you going to have to get into turbocharging? Um, well, actually, having supercharged cars for 20 years and been writing software solutions for all our systems, we've become specialized at ECU tuning. So we're very qualified at recalibration for forced induction on engines that weren't designed for forced induction. So we have the skill set and we have the tools and the know-how to turn up the boost through the software on forced induction production cars. Oh, so would you you, you would do a, a one-off pro-tune, let's call it, on someone's car if it was already forced induction? Um, no, I mean more so that we would take a forced induction car like any one of the current BMW turbo cars mm. or the 488 or any Porsche turbo and make a software upgrade for oh, it. Oh, okay. Um, Noah Brigdan uh, mentions that you use the 2.3 liter blower on the Huracan. Um, why not uh, the 2.9 liter Whipple that other tuning companies used on the R8 and the Gallardo? That's a, a very good question. Um, primarily from an engineering perspective, we would like to use production manufactured or mass manufactured components as much as possible. One of our design principles is not only to use mass manufactured technology because of its inherent reliability but also because of Eaton in this case who manufactures the 2.3 rotor pack, their association and use on uh, mass manufactured Volkswagen and Audis already. So the 2.3 litre being the TVS unit is uh, from the family of superchargers that Audi have been using on thousands and thousands of mass manufactured production cars. Yes, for well, it's all specifically. The we want even that specific super, even that specific rotor set is used in mass on the GM stuff. I mean, it's very well tested. Yeah, so it's really uh, a question of uh, the, the branding and the marketing and the reliability. Yeah. Uh, using a larger unit may be advantageous in certain circumstances, but uh, we've opted to stick with the Eaton units. Yeah, if you can get cheap parts, go with the cheap parts and reliability all the time. You don't need one-off exotic yeah, shit. I don't think it's cheap parts. I think it's well, I mean, more like the, cheap, like the demands less. of an OEM yeah, in terms yeah. of tolerance and durability. Are, have and you'd be have, better, you'd right? have yeah. higher peaks with the twin screw blowers, too, but... The Whipple stuff, I mean, you do hear stories of people breaking them. Is the 2300 the same one that they, the Tundra, the TRD blower? Is that a yes, 2300? I believe it is. And um, If it works for fucking Toyota. Yeah, and Magnuson have yeah. been making the complete unit with the Eden Rotor Pack. Edelbrock does it too. They all There's a number of them, and they're yeah. making thousands and thousands of superchargers. Yeah. But, um, it's like an AK-47. <laughs> like They have a billion of them. That's a good, all right. Good yeah. question yeah. and with a good answer. Um, we were just briefly before this talked about twin charging for about eight seconds. Yes. Um, have you considered twin charging? And uh, to me, it seems like a giant pain in the ass. 
I, I, I have a hard time, with, with exception of very specific circumstances, understanding why anybody bothers. Um, it's been used on some of the small Volkswagen engines mm-hmm. for a short period of time. And now the new Volvo XC90 has a twin-charged four-cylinder with 300 horsepower in a oh, seven-seater SUV. Oh, I see. Yeah. I, I wasn't really aware. I just think it's a lot more complexity than one would need. Yeah. And as far as yeah. a long, you know, long-term maintenance, there's uh, too many things to troubleshoot in terms of diagnostics. I've seen it used on some big diesel trucks, too. Mm. Um, but you're not, you know, you're not spinning... All kinds of stuff to. No, it's eighteen hundred RPM max. Yeah. yeah, I don't think diesel trucks need more help than turbos. So, you know those things yeah. with the. Oh, I'm talking. Pounds. I've seen it on big rigs. Big ones. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. 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 Um, it would make good noise. So no, though. we've not. Uh, we've we wouldn't contemplate the the idea of running a twin charge system, primarily for its complexity and um, the fact that we, you know if we take an existing turbocharged car. Um, it it can it can be just boosted up with a bigger turbo, and also, it's the the. In terms of a car that you know maybe comes out of the box with a bit of horsepower, if you're not you're not you know, a Lamborghini or whatever, the the one that, that I kit that I see that works I think pretty good is the the twin charger on the four GT because mm. everyone does the turbos but then they lose bottom end and the car isn't drivable ever. Like you're talking about a runway car, yeah. you know, versus your every and the supercharger does fill that gap right. at the expense of some of the top end. You're still talking 1,200 horsepower or something, yeah. but it's a it would be it's an exotic application in the sense that it's a, a complex system because you'd have to time the transition, yeah, and you'd have to time and potentially switch off the supercharger and bypass it so you don't uh, strangle the turbos with the supercharger. Would it, would it, would it like a, would freewheel at a certain speed or something? Uh, essentially you'd need a full super- bypass valve at that point, wouldn't you? You you could, yeah, you'd yeah. have a cutout potentially and breathe. From around the supercharger, would that cause a, a drag on the air system? I mean, it, it, it has to, right? Yeah, I mean, the longer your intake, yeah, the, the more drag there will be, and you'd have to design it so that it was large enough or sufficiently large enough to not allow any vacuum to build up within the intake. So, basically, diminishing returns for a very, very complex piece of technology. Yes, and. Possibly not a commercially viable aftermarket solution. Right. If it's OEM, like Volvo, okay, yes. if, you, if you really must. And there's but. a big distinction between designing forced induction kits in the aftermarket versus uh, a car manufacturer designing a forced induction engine uh, where they build the engine with a lower compression or a compression ratio to suit the forced induction. Kit. Right. You're talking about traditionally normally aspirated engines where there's a limited amount of boost you can shove in there without having to lower the compression yourself which means taking the entire motor apart exactly and plus we're in the aftermarket so in the aftermarket we're reverse engineering we're creating a package system to, to to install around an existing engine within its packaging environment in that regard um the american manufacturers are very tight with the sema group how is it working with the european manufacturers and getting data for you guys they don't give any. Oh, they don't. <laughs> so they don't play nice. No, they're not as open-minded as U.S. manufacturers in that sense. And yet you don't provide a lot of componentry for U.S. cars, which is interesting because I think probably the biggest market for superchargers in the world has got to be pony cars, muscle cars. I mean, F-150s. those guys and those guys buy a shitload of those. 
It is, and that actually leads to the point of costs or retail pricing. So you basically hit it there when you said there's shitloads of those cars, but there aren't shitloads of Lamborghinis. Right. So when we amortize our development cost into the unit cost, our unit costs end up being where they are. So Because uh, selling a hundred of these would be a ton. Yes. As opposed to if you're selling for Mustangs, selling a hundred of them is a failure. Well, selling a hundred a month is normal for yeah, them. Yeah. It, it, it would seem that it'd probably be very daunting for a manufacturer of your size to go up against Edelbrock or, or Magna Charge or somebody of that scale. Yeah, we wouldn't. Um, yeah. We wouldn't do that. And in fact, our business model is based around creating something different. Um, well, actually, your business model is quite complementary to theirs, isn't it? You it need is. to buy parts from them. We do, and none of our products overlap. Yeah. And uh, we work harmoniously as we purchase parts and, and uh, also integrate some of their systems into our systems for production reasons, for making it smoother and, 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 and cheaper. Um, you know, Lamborghinis are expensive to modify, and the, the time that goes into creating a system for one of those vehicles is tremendous, tremendously more. And the risk if you break one, I mean, look, my friend Larry Casilla is one of the best detailers in the world. You give him your car, he'll come back like you've never seen it before. But if he has a bad day and fucks up, he might cause a scratch yeah. that, that – and, I'm, and look, I, I don't think Larry – I'm not sure the last time he scratched anything. But God forbid the worst happens. You know, he needs to charge an amount that is appropriate to the risk of working on a vehicle, which in your case has, I bet, what Lamborghini would charge to be a $60,000 engine. It is, yes. It's a 60000 the, the liability – Did I get close on that one? Is very, it sixty grand? Very close, yeah. The Huracan engine is just under 60000 and the transmission is around 50000 from what I'm 50 doing. for the fucking gearbox? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> you better not break Can one of those. Can you put a T56 oh in? <laughs> You're in big trouble if you break one of those. Oh, oh my God. That's – Bad. I that doesn't surprise me though. That's probably more complicated than the engine. Isn't an e-gear only about twelve? That's uh, yeah. It's a very mechanical transmission. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Fifty for a gearbox. <laughs> well, listen. So anyone who complains about a Hurricane costing, you know, two hundred and forty grand, one hundred and ten of it is engine and transmission. Yes, yeah, so that, that is at the Lamborghini price rates, though. That yeah, it is. I know it doesn't cost them that, mm -hmm. but. Can you buy an R8 engine if you blow one? Or an R8 gearbox? Are they fully interchangeable? From what we've seen, yes. Really? Yes. <laughs> I bet great. you there's not much of a price break, if any. If you were no. to... Let's go, la let's go last generation. Mm -hmm. If you dyno an Audi R8 V10 yeah. stock, yeah. and you dyno an LP560, do they run exactly the same number? As the... The Huracan? No, no, no. Oh, as each other. The uh, R8 and the Lambo, will they, even though the Lambo is advertised with 40 more horsepower, will they make the same? The Lambo makes more. Oh, it does? It okay. does, yes. Um, let's see. Jordan Lee wants to know about electric supercharging. We keep hearing, every few months you hear something on the news about electric superchargers. Is that a, a viable option? Electric supercharging is interesting. Um, there, there have been some concepts that have been tested uh, by various engineers that we've read about and seen. Um, and usually the limitation is the size of the, the internal combustion engine that they're being designed upon. So, What does that mean? You need, could, because you need an electric motor, which takes up more space in the engine bay, which cars don't have? 
Well, no. The larger the displacement of your engine, the more air you need to force into it. Okay. So an electric motor forcing air into a large engine is going to have to work very hard, and the energy to drive and create the torque in that motor would be very high. Is, is it? It's, it is going to be that high because it doesn't. It seems like if you have. I mean, uh, the motors that power the, the the drive motors on like a Tesla, the motors themselves aren't that big. Is it? Could you not use something like that it's to the battery spool capacity. up a turbo really quick? Well, the issue would be not necessarily the the rotational aspect, but it would more more to do with the flow aspect. So you'd have to have an impeller or a blade on that motor that can create the volume of airflow and pressure to actually fill the engine to create more power than the engine made by itself. So okay, so the the problem is that in order to generate that pressure you need a giant motor that doesn't fit in anything. Exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> and at that point you also need a giant power source. Yes. Well, assuming I mean they're probably attached to each other. But you have to remember though, an engine will only make more power with an air compressor if the air compressor can force more air into those cylinders then the cylinders will draw in of the engine's ability to draw air in when the pistons are on the downstroke. Okay. So on the downstroke, the engine is pulling air into the cylinders, and the if you're adding an electric supercharger to it, that electric supercharger has to force air in at a faster rate than the engine. Right. So it doesn't need it doesn't just need to flow air at the same speed. It needs to do it twice as fast. Many times more. Yeah. Up to seven psi. Seven psi or, would be or, the measure. The psi. Yeah that people refer to uh, and commonly rate their cars against or with is actually just a measurement of the air pressure in the intake manifold that the engine can't process. It's a measure of excess, really. Exactly, yes. Interesting. Yeah, you're looking for CFM versus PSI, really. So, because, I mean, you imagine a really cool setup would be something that used a small battery or maybe a capacitor, mm-hmm. but that had a curse type, you know, where it would gather energy from the brakes, So, and then you'd have and some sort of push, to, a, pa- yeah. a push to pass, like an so, occasional use okay. electric supercharger. Yes. At Mod Bargains, there is a kid that has, a, it's either an FRS or a BRZ, that has an electric supercharger application on that car, and it works. And built it or bought it off no, the there's shelf? No, a, there's a guy in Canada that builds them specifically for those cars. It's a low production volume thing, but they actually work. I mean, I'm sure. But it's, it's a very po- small it's engine, be possible, obviously. Possible, right? I mean, probably you could, you know, on a small enough engine, um, you could probably get like a one or two psi little boost out of the thing. Oh, okay. And um, so, like the twin charging doesn't really seem worth the headache. Not at all. Okay, right. makes yeah. sense. I guess, um, yeah, because you have to spin a huge volume of air. Like we're at the building multiple times over because well, it's, it's five liters. It's conversion of energy. as You know, energy can't be created, as we know, and yeah. you're converting it from one form to another. And in this case, you're trying to force air into an engine, and an engine isn't a terrifically efficient device to begin with, and you are going to consume electrical energy to push and compress air into a, a kinetic engine, uh, it, it's it's there's too many losses involved. Oh. I've seen an interesting application once where it was an electric supercharger in line with the turbo setup, so that the turbos didn't peak and didn't really hit until three thousand, four thousand RPM. But the electric supercharger drove it at the low RPM, so you didn't have it wasn't as laggy. Basically, yeah, that's, that's possible. Yeah. But that again, that probably adds a lot of weight, and all you're getting in return is the elimination of some lag. Yeah, and right? batteries are heavy. So ultimately, do your MPG improve or do they? Do 
diminish or does your power or area under the curve increase or not? And at that yeah. point, is it more efficient just to have a conventional hybrid setup in conjunction with a turbo setup? Yes. Um, <clears throat> okay, it's Luke, uh, Luke Colorado says, uh, as an expert in, uh, in supercharging, what do you think is wrong with the setup on the Z06 that is causing so many <laughs> of them to overheat? Um, I haven't studied Z06s that much. Um, but typical overheating issues are the size of the main cooling radiator relative to the heat exchanger inside the manifold. So if you have a radiator cooling your liquid, uh, which isn't sized sufficiently, you will actually you won't help the system in any way whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it'll just continue to build and build heat. So cars will... Or supercharge or forced induction cars will actually slow down as they go through the gears because the buildup of heat it's that fast exactly it's um, i mean it's you're not talking about pole number six versus pole number one you're talking about third gear versus first gear yes uh, literally as you're going through the gears you're just building and building heat so a way to improve on a system like that would be to uh, measure your actual intake temperatures with an external measuring device to actually see for yourself what the temperature is, not what the ECU thinks it well, is. Well, is it, is it, they went with the 1.7 Eaton blower, the newer generation, the, what is it, the fourth generation TVS, yeah. which spins at like 30% higher RPM than the previous one. Yeah. But then you've got people like Lingenfelter, they're putting the 2.3 that you guys are using back on them. Problem disappears immediately. It's um, a number of things. If the unit's being spun too fast for... I think it's overdriven. ...for its spec, yeah. then it'll be operating in a very hot area of its compressor map. So uh, the TVS units are not ideal for, uh, you know, 20-ish pounds of boost. But uh, I believe that's 17? Yeah. Is it, seven, is it that well? I think yeah, that's if you're pushing a, yeah. a 1,700 unit to, to create 17 PSI, uh, I would guess that it was running very hot. So running a larger frame unit, like the 2300 unit... Uh, you know, it doesn't have to work as hard. It doesn't make as much heat. Yeah, but it makes enough air for your power. I mean, I, I, you know, you're, I'm not an engineer. My guess would be just from driving it and spent a full day on the track with this thing, and yeah. waited, during which time it had to cool down several times, right. um, is that they, they, they need their downforce, they need their aero, they want that grip. They needed that 650 number, they thought, to sell it. They yeah. couldn't sell it with a 550 NA right. number. They needed a supercharged number, a, a big, really big number. And the fact of the matter is the Corvette does not have enough frontal area to cool whatever radiator GM's penny pinchers want to put in there, which I assure you is not the nicest radiator money can buy. Yeah. And they, they wanted that number. They wanted that downforce. And they, it's at the, at the and they expense. They wanted it to look that way, too. They wanted it I to think look that way at the expense of being able to run that thing for 30 or 40 minutes at a full clip. Yeah. Uh, cooling is something often overlooked. Often. Yeah, I, I have a theory, too, that I think they may have went with the undersized blower to keep it within a certain fuel economy range, too. Um, because that, if you added a smaller blower, it would. if you weren't on boost, it would ostensibly keep your, your econ up a little bit, wouldn't it? Yeah, the it? smaller blower would have uh, less inertia than the larger one, so it would yeah. have less draw from the engine, and so it would give a better consumption. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. actually. Yeah. The Z06 does is in gas guzzler tax, right? 
Yeah. Because the regular C7 avoids gas guzzler tax, which is awesome. It has to be. There's no um, way it couldn't be. Well, when we, we did an engineering episode with uh, Batim down at BBI, and they built the Jeff Zwart's Pike Beak. Pike's Peak car and like heat is everything. Yeah. That's that's the biggest thing. It's like we build it to be like this for under nine minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like it can only do this for nine minutes. Yeah. So, you know, that's everything. And that's Especially Pike's with peak you guys temperature too. too, which is yeah, low. At however many thousand feet that yeah. is. Um good question here. I'm gonna modify it a little bit to make it a little more interesting, uh, I think, for the audience, but it's gonna be the same idea. Uh from Dieter Nosner. Um have you ever worked with uh, a car, tried to develop a package, and then bailed and said, no, this isn't working, and if so, what was it? Yes, we did. We had designed a kit for the Cayenne V8. Okay. Ooh. And uh, uh, I well, That's interesting because from a, that seems actually like a fairly simple, seems, I should say, you know, like like a simple solution. It's got a big front grille. It's got a nice engine bay. Where did yeah. it all go wrong? Um, well, we chose a centrifugal unit for cost reasons. Uh-huh. And uh, a Roots-type unit kit design would cost tremendously more because it would have required a cast manifold, cast uh-huh. aluminum manifold. Uh-huh. And we wanted a, a quicker turnaround on the development. So we mounted and installed a charge-cooled uh, uh, centrifugal unit. And um, once we got the thing running, uh, it was it was uh, fairly lackluster to put it to you know to say the least. And I just felt like um, it didn't have enough punch. You know, the centrifugal unit lends itself well to a high revving or a, a, a car that you're going to rev and use its entire range. Uh, and the uh, the uh, roots unit would have probably suited a lot more. That yeah. would have been. That would have been a really fast car with a root tune in it. Yes, it would have. Yes. <laughs> like a lightning. My dad had a first-generation Cayenne Turbo. At the time, it was ungod- unbelievably fast. It's still a fast it thing. It's yeah. still, it still really fast. They're like $5 now. The depreciation on it was so incredible. Yeah. <laughs> My dad bought this car new in 04. It was first-year yeah. Cayenne Turbo. Gray on gray. Very nice car. I yeah. mean, really, I really, I really did fast. enjoy it very, very fast. Yeah. Um, at 04, let's see, I would have been 21. So, I, I, I mean, I was like in you fucking were heaven. You <laughs> center. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, allegedly I did. I saw 170 miles an hour in that I car on the, on the freeway once. But he bought it new, and it was $110,000 Yes. in 2004. And he sold it 2008 with 40,000 miles on it. Um, and it was in excellent condition for twenty two thousand dollars. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's that was it, man. If I'd known you, then I would have bought that. Oh, the guy who the guy who bought it was like thrilled. But that was the market. I mean, yeah. that that was what the Actually, market I, was I, for. I, that's right when I bought it. It was crazy. Went, it's probably good that I didn't know you. I bet you could find the nicest O four Cayenne Turbo in the world right now for about fourteen grand. Oh yeah. I mean, and that would be a, a monster. What a depreciation bucket. That's funny. Yeah, no, unbelievable. Yeah. I think the new ones are a little better. How are, how are those holding up mechanically? The old ones? Yeah. Oh, they're fucked. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 not, they're not good. The depreciation not bucket good bad, too, is those old BMW 7 Series. You know what would be the move? It would be to, I mean, to find a shitty Cayenne Turbo and pull the motor and stuff out. Would it, would it be and, and swap that motor in, into something? Uh, like a 928 
With a Cayenne turbo motor would be the shit. Yeah, I think the engine's too tall, so that would be oh, a, is it? a Mad Max job. You'd have to dry sump it. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> you don't have a hood. Whatever. <laughs> it would be crazy. That's um, like that Swedish. We do that in this country. You've seen it. You've been here long enough. <laughs> um, do you recommend, what, what are your thoughts on the meth injection? Uh, meth injection is a helper. Um, great for track use and straight line use. Not really uh, ideal or well-suited for daily driving in my opinion as a, for a production car we don't really want to have items that are consumable or something that needs topping up um, but um, meth injection definitely is a tremendous helper uh, we don't design any kits to rely upon it because we really just want the user to be able to put the kit in the car and drive it without having to worry about topping things off. i don't like topping things off it drives me like I, and i i I'm an I'm an asshole. Like I, I'm, other people have no problem with this at all. I also don't like E85. I don't like yeah. mixing shit or right. and doing math. Like yeah. I if don't you do a meth kit right though, it will only add power. If it will run normally the rest of the time, it'll just add power. I'm talking about topping off the stupid tank. Yeah, but that's Getting what I'm saying. Already you don't get annoying. meth in the gas station in most gas stations. Yeah, right. You got to order it on the internet. You right. got to go to auto like Amazon a, a Prime that shit. I don't know. It just seems You've annoying. You've got to keep track of it all the time. It's it, one more thing. It's I mean, one, if you, exactly. It's one more thing. But what I'm getting to is that you can get more aggressive with your time. If you've done it right, you can just get more aggressive with your timing. And the rest of the time, you drive it like you normally would. You can. Well, why not just tune the car for 100 octane and get 100 octane unleaded from uh, from a gas station? There are There's a lot more 100 octane... Uh, 100 octane available uh, pumps than there is uh, meth. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, I think meth is cheap though. I know it is two places that one, uh, within a mile of each other. There's E85 and 100 octane. <laughs> the 85 is never. Everyone always goes well. There's E85 by my house. I go. You know, I don't know about you, but I drive far as fuck from my house all the time, and I don't want to find out I need it when I'm in the middle of nowhere. I don't think flex I, fuel is getting better. Like most in most cases now, yeah. you can. If you run low, you can put regular gas. And you drove in, uh, hit two buttons. The programming and, allows it. Yeah, you drove Jason's Focus. He's got the two tunes. I did. On the there. video is online. I yeah. drove uh, the Stage Three Mountain Club Sport, and he has. And he was talking about his math, and it it, dro- it didn't sound appealing at all to me. But the car did drive very well. Yeah, so I'll give him that. <laughs> it, it did. The car drove great. Nobody likes math. That's bad for no, you. No, people love it. I don't. Fu- I just don't some like people it. really love math. It's just I, bad. I for think you. it's annoying. That's all. Stay away from yeah. math. Um, when you yeah. when you when you're choosing a, a blower setup like a, a centrifugal versus roots, um, is it? And you I sort of answered this before, but is it is it primarily a packaging issue, or you you mentioned the the, the high development cost with that Cayenne? Yeah, I mean, if the uh, the vehicle application lends itself to a price point where we can afford the kind of budget it would need, we would cast the manifold and put a roots blower on as many cars as we could. The Huracan, you've cast the manifold, right? Yes, we have. It, well, the initial production run is all billet. Oh, it is? Yes. Oh. We always go billet for proof of concept. Oh. And that leads us into uh, the availability, so we can have kits readily available instantaneously. Do you machine them and you're all in your place? Uh, we don't do them at VF, but we have contractors that do Are you, exclusive manufacturing. You email products. them a CAD file, and in and in comes a manifold. They're our next door neighbor. So. Oh, that's, oh you, you walk it over yes. USB stick. That's do legit. Guys, yeah. exactly. Do you guys do like three D printing to test things? Absolutely. And, so uh, we'll scan an engine bay. We'll scan. You have the fancy three D scanner is that thing. Is that laser yes. scanner. Oh my scanner? god! Is that what that is? Scanner. Yeah. Those you should. Why don't you do an engineered episode on laser scanner? Yeah, we should go down. That would be cool. I would love to scan like think of all the shitty replica. 
replica car cars now. Like you could scan a real 250 GTO and have it be exact and print it and well, make whatever. What we had uh, Scarbo awesome. on. We had Scarbo on, and they're doing a bunch of that shit too. Yeah, you yeah. could. Do they're doing the reproduction really cool Ferraris. Shit. Oh yes, and it, like it imports it like right in, right? Well, it, it imports uh, coordinates and yeah. um, contours, and we can convert that into different types of models. And then we can add and modify and create our designs around that scan yeah. and uh, print and create it virtually. And then awesome. we, we've got a 3D printer. Um, uh, How big of a bed do you have out of curiosity? We have a uh, one meter cube. Oh, that's a really nice one. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, not a super high res, but it allows us to create pretty solid Still, parts. that size. Like parts I was looking at them. Check for fitting and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, how exactly. much resolution do you need in have a you print, car Have you stuff? printed parts and then run the engine with the with the 3D printed part on it before? Well, yes, we have. I've, yeah, but Tim told me that once, and I was like, you did what? And he's <laughs> like, yeah, this little, this this intake manifold looks like it's made of fucking rock candy. And they've run and they've <laughs> well, I mean, if you if if you're printing ABS, that's what like an LS intake manifold is made out of. Yeah, it's all ABS. It's it's a slower way to create yeah. something. Um, if you're going to do a one-off, yes, ABS is expensive. It requires a lot of temperatures, a lot yeah. of current to to actually print it. Do you guys do ABS or nylon? No, we use nylon. Yeah, and um, depending on how we set it up, how the, how we set up the wall thickness, we can create ducts and manifolds. But manifolds, you don't really want to run for too long because of the temperatures. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the weight and the load and the pressures, but uh, air ducts for sure and brackets. So with the advent of, and they're very expensive now, but the, the powdered metal 3D printers that use the laser that are actually basically weld everything together, yeah. is that something that you guys are looking forward to? Because you could do manifold designs then that simply aren't possible when you're casting. All the minute manifolds, basically. Well, like Koenigsegg does, they print yeah. their own turbos, yeah. so they, they know parts within parts, which yeah. you can't even manufacture. But that's very exotic manufacturing, extremely expensive. But Christian, ten years down the line, line, Christian? No, I haven't. He's the you know he's he's the best. Yeah. He, you just I could listen to that guy talk for days. He's the most <laughs> he's the most the legit most interesting person in the world. He <laughs> he builds cars as if no other cars have ever been built. Right. It was, yeah, it's like, a, it's a re, it's a really impressive thing to watch. We're gonna make a part inside of another part. Yeah, it's, sure. It's really <laughs> that cool man had stuff. two ways to go in life with that look and that brain. Yeah, he could have been profoundly evil. Luckily, yeah. we get the fun Christian. <laughs> we got the good version of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, what is you know? I'm I'm embarrassed to say I don't know the definition of Rotrex. Uh, road because tracks. I've been parroting it yeah. every time someone goes, oh, it's a Rotrex. I go, well, it's a Rotrex, but I don't know what the fuck it means. <laughs> Rotrex is a brand of a supercharger unit that's called a planetary gear unit. Oh, so it's not belt-driven. It's gear-driven. Correct. Oh. It's, it's got three gears with inside a cylindrical gear. Oh. And the physics of it mean that you rotate the, inside, the outside gear and the central shaft will spin at a higher ratio. Okay, so it's a base. Is it similar to kind of? Well, I, I want to say, would the turbo equivalent be like a variable vane it's like geometry? A on a bike, like it, right? it just it just makes it spin. It's Think giving, more it of a transmission. Better, it's got it's a transmission. A, it is a transmission yeah. supercharger, exactly. So, and is that the best that a centrifugal blower gets? Well, it's not a centrifugal in that sense. Um, it, it's. Uh, it does create boost at a different rate than a centrifugal unit will. But it uh, looks like a snail. Um, the looks are what you're referring to as the discharge. Right. So the actual housing is more like a gearbox, so it's got more depth to it. Uh -huh. And the centrifugal unit will have two gears, uh, literally a larger gear 
driving a smaller gear. And uh, how is it, it an abrupt shift or is it a variable geometry thing? It's fixed, fixed geometry. So, do you when you drive it, can you tell when your supercharger shifts? No, absolutely not, because there's there's only a single gear basically. Oh, so just it's. It's just, just multiplying overdriven. speed. Oh, yes. okay. It's just a step-up ratio oh, okay. from a larger gear to a smaller. But wouldn't that put you into a higher heat section on the on the boost map anyway? Because you're spinning the, the air much the, faster. The planetary units? Yeah, yeah, the on the road tracks. Gear, the planet, yes, has to spin at a much higher RPM. Typically, they go into the 100,000 RPM range, close to 150,000. Why, why would you do that if you're... I'm like you don't do you guys don't do that. No, but we we use the, make, the centrifugal unit yeah. we use is the Vortec, which will typically go to around fifty thousand RPM. The, uh, so the road tracks need external oiling too, don't they? They do. Why would so you choose that as a solution? I drove a I Miata. I know. I, yeah, like <laughs> I I'm just asking. A, I drove a Miata track car that used it. <laughs> yes, and it was. A, 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 he wanted a supercharger, and he wanted a, a, something that was good at sustained high RPM. Uh, and that's a, what he went with. A Vortec unit will sustain high RPM. They're used on the Mustangs, on the track, and big drag cars. Uh, the Rotrex units lend themselves very well to small displacement. Yeah, units. it was a Miata. Exactly. So, so the 1.8, the 1.6 yeah. Miata doesn't have a, a tremendous amount of space in the engine bay, and a, and a small planetary gear-driven unit like the Rotrex will lend itself very well. And they'll well. kind of hang them off the side of the intake manifold and do weird things like that. Yeah, I've seen. Similar to a Vortec-type yeah. unit. Um, its boost delivery characteristic is different. It will ramp up very quickly. But the side effect is, of course, is as we were talking about, is the heat. So to get over the heat, it needs its own oil reservoir. It needs a pump for that, and it needs a radiator for that, and it needs all the plumbing for that. So those are all the extras that, that you're going to have to sort of live with when you get one of those. But it does perform well. Um, uh, but there are other comparable units one could use too. At SEMA a couple of years ago, a, a company, and I can't remember who it was. I mean, it was, I think it was one of the major names, was showing a supercharger that had a legit CVT transmission in it that came with a programmer box, and you could tune... The it was I think it was an actual Garmin that had been reprogrammed, but you could tune the gearbox uh, the 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 supercharger on the fly. So you'd press eco yeah. and it would change the transmission setting in it, and you could press max power. You could put whatever mode, and I don't think it ever took off because I never saw it selling. But I mean, is that is that kind of thing desirable, or again, it's just too complex to be worthwhile? It's it's complex, and it, but it sounds like it would suit. A kind of consumer that wants to be able to go to stage two. Yeah. So, you know, they've got stage one mode and then they flick over a mechanical or an electromagnetic clutch and the supercharger goes into another gear. But it's just another Sounds level of gimmicky. complexity and just another level of doing one different thing. Um, you know, again, you're going to have transition issues where you transition from one stage to another. I think that just a, a really well-specced supercharger running in a really optimal part of its compressor map, i.e. speed, and a well-matched unit, i.e. its flow capacity relative to the engine, will give you a really well-tuned car. It seems you as though you could that. effectively do the same thing with some sort of a pressure release valve just at the at the compressor, you know, very, very close to the compressor, you could do the same damn thing. Yeah, some people have played with that too. So you'll yeah. gear up a unit to create a lot of boost, but then basically you'll bleed it off up top so that you don't put too much boost into like the a engine. wastegate. Exactly, but the... Uh, 
as far as supercharging is concerned, it's a waste of energy because you're basically yeah. driving the blower still. Which costs energy. And yeah. you're not using that because right. you're bleeding it yeah. off. Which is now, why you'd want to do it at the compressor level because then it'd freewheel a little, little bit easier. Yes, right? um, but it's not like a turbo. So, the, you know, the turbo, the gases will just blow through it. Yeah. The, ba- the gases were going through it anyway. Yeah. Uh, with the supercharger, you're, you know, you're running it with the belt off the crank constantly. So, you know, drawing energy and not using it pointless yeah it's a waste exactly don't waste your energy do you see in, in that regard then is there do you, are there applications that use a clutch like you would with an with an alternator or, or an ac compressor in some circumstances um i think a clutched supercharger um is uh, a great way to go uh, mechanically mm-hmm. speaking i think reliability has always been an issue um, just due to the sudden changes in speeds when you downshift. Mm. Um, a clutched uh, pulley on the supercharger is tremendous for emissions at idle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not basically drawing energy off the engine. Anything that draws energy off the engine is making it work harder. On a is that what, like, with Volvo's, you know, twin-charged two-liter, you know, four-cylinder, would that use a clutch supercharger for, for idle emissions, maybe? I haven't seen that unit, but uh, I would expect it to be. That's the kind of application that would, though. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, a low-duty cycle application, not not sort of a big power. It's yeah. got me, like, you know, like a, almost like a torque converter with, like, the hydraulic metal fluid could also kind of control that with an electrical thing, right? Yeah. Kind of, well, I don't it'd be know. similar to the clutch on an AC pulley. Yeah. Or, or a weighted. Oh, I get. You mean like a magnet or rheological yeah, like fluid inside of a torque yeah, yeah, converter yeah. body? Okay. Then you could change it instantly like magnetic shocks. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know. There you go. Sounds engineer. difficult, but yeah, it'd be cool. Well, like, because that's how you adjust. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. that, right? It makes sense. It just sounds like a clusterfuck of problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> this solution works just fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's simple. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's too much. It's like that's where that's when the tuner market goes awry. <laughs> it's like, well, we'll do this. Let's we'll make well, it twelve thousand horsepower. Well, yeah, it'll be an eighteen thousand dollar head unit, and then you'll yeah. have two thousand dollars worth of brackets hanging. Yeah, off someone it. looked at the engineering diagrams. Okay, they, well, they built it to be twice as strong, but we can build make it go. 1200 horsepower four times <laughs> like and then that's the the video they need and then underground racing fastest Lamborghini, you know i mean like that. those cars like, yeah those they're cars, all fucked those none of those cars, cars work i mean sometimes they work but they but they're none of them are the uh, hefner's like the 900 horsepower that, that turbo awesome. car is good in florida you need a lot of room for a car like that they're it all wouldn't over be florida very good and texas in the canyons yeah. the supercharged car is great in the canyons yeah, because it's the way they build their stuff. They just move like the factory stock and horsepower line. They it, it looks the same. Up. It just goes up. There's yeah. more area under it's the good. curve. That's yeah. and that and the Huracan blower winds to eighty. 8400. 8, I mean, I, I, that's a yeah. high RPM application for a supercharger. It is the um, the car will rev higher if we if we push it, but we just want to keep things within a conservative balance yeah it seemed to work pretty good did you uh, did you test the limits on on what the uh, rpm holding capability is on that car 
Uh, no, we didn't want to. Yeah, too expensive. Sixty grand gamble on that one. Yeah. Roll the dice and you can do crank the math. it up. <laughs> Conservatively, Let's what do you, see if this bitch what do you think will do it would 9K. be? Nine K. If you weren't as cautious as you guys are, and we're doing in, for example, like a normally aspirated situation where it's a little bit easier to do that, yeah. what do you think you could get out of it? Uh, you could probably rev it to nine thousand. That would sound nice. Yeah, it would. And the engine would sound pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And, and what was nice about that car was, like, you know, I, I didn't do a lot of slow driving in it, but, it, like, it was it was pretty, I mean, it wasn't, the clutches engaged nicely. Like, it felt like if you got stuck in traffic, it wouldn't be the worst thing ever. It seemed like it would be okay. Yeah, I mean, driving back from the day that we met you was, uh, like, a solid Tra- it was solid traffic all the way back to Orange God, County. you get traffic every time you come see me. It sucks. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you know, and it was just didn't feel like any other, you know, just like a di- normal day driving in a car in traffic. Yeah. You know, nothing unusual. Uh, nothing frustrating about the transmission whatsoever. Very smooth. Yeah, you it's know? good. If you're over, like, 5'10", you really do need to go with the R8 probably, yeah. but it's a, it's a very good car, and it's mm. unbelievably fast. I mean... Wait on those 09 Gerardos. For for a road car, it's I, I it's, it's one of those things where it's like okay, you can stop now. I mean, this is you know this is enough. You got to be worried about people really being able to even process. You know, mm-hmm. I assume I didn't get in the car with Doug. I assume he knows what he's doing. It seems like this is not his first rodeo. Yeah, he's he's had a few different Lamborghinis. And, yeah, uh, this <laughs> he is managed the, to not crash them. Yeah, he's kept them on the road. <laughs> All right, there, well. there you go. I haven't met Doug, but he reminds me of Ralph from Sharkworks. That's like one yeah. of their first customers. No, Doug's, like, Doug's younger. He's not. Oh. He he's in, seems like he's in his forties. He's he's a but pretty like, young guy, yeah, wild guy, and loves yeah. it. Yeah, he was cool. He, I liked him. He was he was much shorter than me, which means that you know the roll bar he put in the car doesn't uh, doesn't affect him, but it made it a little a little tight in there for me, but. Funnily enough, I think it only takes up about an inch of travel. Listen, that inch is what you with, need. When you're talking about a guy my size in the Huracan, an inch is a mile. <laughs> it's, we need them all. I need all the inches. Every fucking inch you've got, I will take in that car. Yeah. Uh, but thanks for coming down, Nick. I appreciate your time Thank sitting you. in traffic again oh, in the rain okay. this time. And... Uh, yeah, it's always good to see you, and I'm Same glad the here. video. I'm glad the video did so well. I hope you guys have you gotten some emails at least. We you got have a few calls, yeah, we've, emails. We've had a few calls today. We had a call from um, an enthusiast who said he watched it throughout and was just listening to your comments. He could tell how excited it was. You know, it would be to drive a car like that. It is. You can hear me going <laughs> <laughs> and trying not to like like to focus. It's it's crazy. You have to process how fast that car. Yeah. You know, scenery goes by. It is. It's, it's nutty. Hopefully, these people aren't calling just to talk to you, and like they're actually calling <laughs> yeah, to like you know, buy so shit. I'm sure someone has it's bought something. Yes, so we, we've yeah. we've had a couple of leads. We've had nice. several Good. serious in, in, inquiries and uh, lovely many mentions of the video. Good, and uh, we really appreciate the video. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm very much looking forward to see if you guys do some tuning on the 570s. Thank you. Oh, oh, McLaren tuning? Yeah. Because oh, that, okay. that seems like that's ripe for a little bit of a power bump. Sure it is. So I'm sure we'll be doing one soon. Yep. Someone's got to call and say, I need one with <laughs> tunes. Um, that's great. I mean, and I'll have, to, uh, I'll have to catch back up and do the, the, the Porsche. Is that your car? Yes. Uh, no, it's a local owner's car. Okay. But he's very but he's open, cool? Very, very open to cool. it. Cool. And that was a stick car, right? It is. Oh, cool. The Porsche yeah. stuff they do is like under the radar, the but Porsche, it's like the cool. A 997 supercharged now seems like a really good idea. That's a, that's a lot of fucking power. It's a power. lot of car. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot it's of and car. as you said, it's very light. Yeah. Very light car. And a yeah. stick. And, yeah. like, and oh. they're 
starting the, at 30, 35 Can grand? the running gear of the basic Carrera handle the extra power? We've never had any issues with the running gear. Yeah. 500 horsepower, narrow body Carrera. <sighs> you need, you'd need to save for some brakes. I think the base Carrera's brakes weren't stellar. They're still like 13-inch brakes. I think they were good they're, for 05, but I think if with an extra, they're, they're pretty, pretty stout. Are they're they? Big, yeah. Maybe some pads and fluid will do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, you know the deal. Uh, follow us in all the usual places. See all the usual things. All cars go to heaven, too. Christmas Day, hopefully. I swear, I, I, we're really trying. Swear to God. <laughs> Tom is... Tom is Biting his nails, waiting for the fucking graphics guy to get us our graphics. Um, and of course, as always, the Smoking Tire podcast is powered by Shout Engine. Get your own damn podcast at shoutengine.com. It's easy. You just need a microphone and a computer and an internet connection, which is more than we have in this office. Yeah, we only our, we have the microphone and the computer. The internet God, connection, our internet connection so is embarrassing for We're a couple so of years. Thanks, Time Warner. <laughs> oh, fuck you, Time Warner. How is that? I don't know. The worst. That's so fucked. You should have seen. I had to watch the trailer for comedians and cars getting coffee in 240p before you came in to get the. <laughs> Sub Isn't one there like megabits. fiber optic going it's to retarded. YouTube Google's over right there? there. Yep. It's retarded. Uh, pay five grand. To get hey, well, when they d- dig up the street for your thing in the future, just <laughs> that if that goes on, we're spending the money and getting fiber optics. Yes, thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. Thank we'll you, Matt. Uh, we'll catch back up with your your customers' Porsche very soon. Very good. And of course, uh, the video of me driving uh, Nick's car, uh, well, his customer's car, the uh, the VF eight hundred Huracan, is on our YouTube channel. Um, I'm sure you've seen it by now. But if not, you should go watch it because it's good fun. Thanks, guys. Peace out. See you later. Going home. Yeah, yeah, yeah,